kids these days. Back in my day, we didn't have the world's information in our hands at all times. We only had to deal with bomb drills and sometimes threats and have our friend come to our car in the high school parking lot and tell us a plane hit the World Trade Center. We didn't have to deal with doxing, swatting, and even greater threat of school shootings, nor being bullied for not having rare or expensive Fortnite skins. This is the We Live in a Society intro. Now it's time for your hosts, Rob Roberts, Jamie Summers, and Loki to tell you about kids these days and the rest of the week's gaming news. Starting right now on the show, where every gamer has a voice. Wow, this episode is going to be dark. Hi, everybody out there on the internet. Welcome back to another week of the show where every gamer has a voice. It is Orange Lounge Radio. We are live and back after a week off once again with episode number 994 of our show tonight for March the 3rd of 2024. My name is Rob Roberts, and I'm feeling refreshed and relaxed after being gone on a cruise last week. I'm back here uh, tonight to talk about video games with you all, with my pals that join me every week, week in and week, week out. Say hello to Dark Sakura or Jamie Summers. Sup. Sup. <laughs> How are you doing? Um... I'm all right. I I actually threw out my back uh last week. Oh no. And I've been on a kind of semi reclining rest. Mm. So I've actually started feeling better. I've been able to get back to doing at least like some of my PT stuff for my back, physical okay. therapy. Mm-hmm. And uh I've become addicted to a game I'll tell you about in a bit. Ooh, can't wait to hear. Uh, well, I hope you're able to make the most of the OLR not happening last week. Hopefully that wasn't the same time you threw out your back and you were able to enjoy yourself. That was right after I threw out my back. Oh, oh well. Well, at least, hey, it gave you an opportunity to rest up for the night, I guess. Well, let's mm-hmm. also check in with the one and only Techmaster Loki. Hello. Hi. Uh, did you enjoy a week off, Loki? Uh, I mean, it was a week off. Yeah. Um, well, you were streaming although... that Saturday anyway. I think I caught, yeah, I caught an alert. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. I had a uh, internet on the boat. And so I was still getting push notifications that would come in once in a while from uh, Twitch and stuff. Cause uh, internet, I mean, it's not great. Internet is kind of weird. Like in my stateroom, I don't know if it was because of where we were located on the boat or whatever. It did not work very well. It was very hard for very slow. Like I could get internet, but it was crappy. But when I was out and about, especially on the sun deck, you know, deck 11, which, you know, you're outside at that point, it worked great, which I mean, of course, satellite, da, 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 there's a lot to be said about that. But but of course, it's not my phone directly on the satellite. So anyway, but for whatever reason, it worked outdoors uh, much better than it did in my stateroom. And that's I saw a push notification come in. And I was like, Oh, yeah, Loki's gonna be live today. But sorry, I didn't try to watch because on demand video is a lot for cruise ship internet. <laughs> right, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but did you have a good stream? Yeah, it's all right. Good. It's took down trees. Oh, there you go. Fun, fun. Yeah, Bobby Blackwolf in chat says it's Starlink on Royal Caribbean. Uh, it is. And I I did not realize that because they call it something else. So I didn't realize that until after I'd already bought it. And then I was like, Ugh, can't believe I gave that guy's company any money at all. Ugh. But you can't really put a price on being able to access the Blink cameras and get pictures of your cats whenever you need them, which is the actual reason why we get internet on the cruise ship. Cause I know there's some people out there that would say, why do you need internet on a cruise ship? Uh, you're on vacation. Stay off the internet. Nope. We need the internet to check in on cats. That is, that is it. So that's why it's needed. But thank, thankfully technology will allow you to do that. So 
Well, I hope everybody had a great week off and uh, had some good gaming. I know there's been a lot of big stuff that's come out in the last couple of weeks, especially Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. And we will talk about our gaming weeks in just a moment. I will talk more about my cruise as well. I know Bobby Blackwolf teased the story on last week's show. I don't even know if my co-hosts know what happened, but I will share kind of a, a pretty deep thing that happened on the cruise this last week. I'm going to talk about that during gaming weeks. But since this is a video game podcast, let's get into the actual gaming news which unfortunately, this this is the broken record story that just won't go away as much as we want it to. And Loki, would you mind taking the reins here and telling us uh, about another really unfortunate situation this week to start us off? Uh, so yeah, so Sony is reducing their staff by about 900 people or 8% of their workforce. Uh, this was announced by Jim Ryan, um, the president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment. It's going to uh, also, as a result of that, multiple games have been canceled as well. Some of those, like, it's it, a lot of them were like live service games. And some we've already kind of heard about that were being canceled. Like, for example, the uh, I think it was the Last of Us uh, live service game was one of them. Um, I don't remember some of the other ones, but a lot of the ones I heard were like live service type of games. Well, didn't they go from like, they had said 10 live service games at one point. Now they're like five. I remember that being a thing. Something like that. Before yeah, we heard about so... these layoffs is that they were going to reduce the number of those games. Yeah. And then, um, what was it also, uh, you know, London studio I know was affected by that as well. I think they closed the whole studio down if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that sucks, and it I guarantee this is not going to be the last, and it just seems to be the trend. Just all these gaming companies laying off a bunch of people, and then of course you know you have the other side of that, which we'll get into later. But a lot of these gaming companies have really talented people, and they go on form their own independent studios that do great things. And but that's not going to be the, as much as I've tried to say that as a, you know, that sometimes out of these crappy situations come diamonds. The reality is that's not going to be not everybody's in a situation to be able to make their dream indie game. And that's just not going to be the um, reality for a lot of people. Um, unfortunately, some people are going to leave I, more than some people are going to end up leaving the gaming industry and going into, I don't know, banking or something that for whatever reason is more stable right now. And I, I don't know if there's a whole yeah. lot out there that really is, but um, you know, I think there's, there's people that are going to leave the gaming industry altogether. And that's really sad because there's lots of talent. Um, I, I also find this kind of interesting in the wake of the news two or three weeks ago about Microsoft and their layoffs. And I seem to remember that, you know, we heard that the federal government was going to come after Microsoft for that because, well, you said in your Activision Blizzard acquisition, remember they're trying, the government still wants to stop the Activision Blizzard acquisition by Microsoft. And it's too late, isn't it? <laughs> it really is, but they still want to stop it. Um, at this point, and uh, but hey, hey, if if they really want to like stop things from merging that have merged like already after a long period of time, can we like do something with like Comcast? Maybe can <laughs> can they go after Comcast? You know, and and like these cable companies. Well, I, I yeah, I would like the government to go after Warner Brothers specifically, the guy at the head of it. Um, to and sure, why, take them all out. That's fine. Just, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm fine with that. I want the government to go after the Willy Wonka experience too. I don't care that that was in Europe. 
I want the actually no. I you you laugh, but like I do think the government needs to do something about the AI ads misrepresenting what the experience. If you haven't seen the meme about the Wonka experience, it's everywhere right now. Um, it's so big. Well, I even it, read about it, it on Blue Sky. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be like an AI ad. It just it it's just the AI part is not even necessarily a part of it. No, yeah, aside I mean, from like it just like yeah, get, but it's things false get advertising. Misrep- things get yeah. misrepresented all the time, but AI makes it easier to falsely advertise. I, I guess, yeah. yeah. They, they I don't, very don't recently pay. on Blue Sky and the the Twat site mm-hmm. um, posted a video from the Wall Street Journal mm-hmm. on how to spot AI content, video content. Oh, a, AI video content. Interesting. I always feel yeah. like it's referring back to the the new Sage thing that's being put out by the Chat GTP people. I always still feel like I can tell. Um, I haven't done a lot with video though, to be honest. Uh, but at least in the pictures, I feel like it's, it's odd. And the thing that really annoys me is that on Facebook all the time, people do this shit on Facebook for clout reposts and it works because I see my friends doing it. For example, I just saw one today that was like, uh, it was a picture of a pretend mummy four poster, like another mummy movie with Brendan Fraser, which I think a lot yeah, of us would like to yeah. see. I don't know if they've actually confirmed one or not, but this site is posting the poster like it's the real poster. And mm-hmm. if that is happening, I guarantee you they haven't shot a single frame of it yet, nor they've taken a, a I get a photo. ton of those, a ton of those and where they will fake AI it's, movie posters. It's so infuriating that like people, it, well, and it's also sad that people fall for it constantly. But anyway. I tried to go back to Facebook and it didn't last. It lasted like it's, three weeks. I, I honestly, I don't blame you. There's just a lot on social media that's irritating. But anyway, uh, we're digressing a little bit from what the the story is about the layoffs. And I was talking about Microsoft and, you know, how the government was going to, you know, use this as additional ammo in their campaign. I actually kind of think this PlayStation thing now kind of ends that argument because now Microsoft can simply point and say our biggest competitor in this space has done the same thing. This is an industry epidemic, not something as a result of the buyout. And I think yeah. the government's case is done with that. Um, you know, and they it's, could, it sucks, they could just but... point it, point to the, was it like almost 9,000 layoffs or six, yes. it was now 7,000 layoffs. I mean, which, it will be 9,000 probably in a couple of weeks, which was probably the plan in the first place. But yes, now that PlayStation's done it too. Uh, yeah. But you know, interesting the only company we haven't heard from yet, yet, hopefully, uh, and not not at all, we won't hear, is Nintendo. We haven't heard. Now, it's not that Nintendo has never done layoffs before, because I seem to they recall have. they closed San Francisco at some point, right? And, you know, there's there's all that. So it's not to say Nintendo is immune or never does it, but so far in this wave, we're not hearing anything. And then, of course, you you can't help but think when presented with, you can't help but think of Satoru Iwata when he was with us and how he took the pay cut and the other executives took the pay cut because the Wii U underperformed and they did the pay cut as opposed to doing layoffs. And it's, it's hard not to have that be front of mind in light of everything that's going on right now. And yes, to acknowledge what's being said in chat, because of course we do tape live every Sunday night at the Voice Geeks Network, twitch.tv slash vlog network, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific, right after the Bobby Blackwolf show. E3VL says Nintendo work culture is different, especially in Japan. Pay cut is normal in Japanese culture. Yes. But unfortunately, as of now, and I say as of now because I think there's a lot of people getting pissed off about this. This is, It may not be a thing in the next few years, but I think this will be a thing in our lifetime. 
it's not a thing in American culture. But I think you're going to hear more things. I think you're really starting to see a push for a lot of people that are sick and tired of it. And you're going to hear a push for things like maximum wage and you know, um, severely taxing those that profit off of these systems. That I, I, There's a whole other soapbox for that and a lot of podcasts talking about that. But the, tea, the, the those tea leaves and everything we need that will absolutely trickle down in the gaming industry. I mean, look at how much Bobby Kotick who had a hand in ruining this industry, look at how much he walked away with. And tell me that the vast majority of, I'm going to say decent gamers, meaning people that don't, you know, just shit post on Twitter all day and all this stuff, the, the, the massive uh, bulk of decent gamers are in some way pissed off and see the injustice in Bobby, or Bobby Kotick. I almost said Bobby Blackwolf. I'm sorry, Bobby, but I was reading chat. <laughs> Bobby Kotick walking away with all that money bobby blackwolf deserves a raise for the record <laughs> i just i just want to be very clear on the difference between the two bobbies <laughs> anyway bobby blackwolf though does point and this was the comment i was reading that caused me to almost say his name uh in the place of the other bobby saying uh sony didn't lay off any of their japanese employees only their u.s uk and europe employees that is interesting well, let's go back to that for a minute because I find the Sony changes in Europe very interesting. Because, you know, I think a lot of us are sitting here looking at all this news that's happening going, why? Why? And this is, the, this is the big question, right? I think if we had all the answers to this, maybe we could in some way stop this. But why? And certainly I'm looking at like Sony London knowing that they did a lot with VR, Am I am I incorrect in thinking pretty much all the first party Sony VR stuff came out of Sony London? Unless maybe uh, I know there was a few things at least that came out of Sony London for I'm VR, even think, on the original PlayStation VR. I'm trying to think if some of the other like con- conceptual things um came out of a different zoo. I think for some I think Sony London was pretty heavily involved with that. And I, you know, again, I'm trying not to read too much into it, but I can't help but feel like Sony is not really talking about PSVR 2. I I don't know. And I always said from the beginning it's you know it's a nice piece of tech but it yeah, does it doesn't have I, the must have game or the it doesn't I it doesn't he- have the fun factor to justify the price. I hear that they're going to that there's a possibility that they're going to try to get that to work with PC as well. That's huge. Because, well, that that's if that's that how happens, that'd be well, amazing. That's that would be amazing and that's how they can save that really good tech is yeah. if they open up the library you know what sony couldn't make the game so they're and the third parties didn't so they're going to open it up to pc and the community over there that would be a great way to save that piece of technology quite frankly but you know we'll, we'll see when it gets confirmed or, or what have you so uh we'll see where that goes i think the other why here has definitely a lot to do with i think it's i think it's a lot of factors I think some could say COVID plays into it. And I think maybe people projected a larger space for games and that, you know, being online together type of thing in COVID and everything that happened in 2020. And I think maybe it lost sight of the fact that most people wanted to go back to the way it was before. Of course, there's always going to still be people that, you know, are are thrilled about how tech, well, I'm wording this poorly because of course we're all thrilled that technology allows us to, you know, connect across great distances and all that. And the way Zoom's taken off, it's not just for, you know, nerds anymore and all that stuff and comparable platforms. But I think 
the gaming industry may have thought there was going to be a bigger space for online games that doesn't really exist because people are, for better or for worse, whatever you want to call it, going back to normal at this point. So, you know, and especially with the you know, CDC recommendations this week, you know, really we're just all over COVID at this point as a society, and it's going back to the way it was. So, and I think people's spending habits are reflecting that, but I don't think that's the sole thing to blame either. I think what's really to blame, I think every game thinks it can be Pokemon Go. That's it. Every game thinks it can be Pokemon Go. Every CEO... Every game developer, every uh, person that's trying to make a game, every games as a service, everything is trying to be Pokemon Go. And I, I get it. You can say what you will about Pokemon Go specifically, but I don't want you to think that specifically. I'm using that as the everybody knows that example type of massive market appeal type of game that was able to drive the types of microtransactions that people are willing to pay. And because people are willing to pay it in a game like Pokemon Go and a very specific subset of other games, people are trying to slap that constantly print the money mechanic of Pokemon Go into every game. And I think we know that. We've seen the explosion of games as a service and battle passes in games. Why do they need it? Like Diablo 4 and, you know, other other types of, you know, DLC and cosmetic things that are ridicul ridiculously priced and so forth. And um, games uh, like I think there's even a very recent example of like a baseball mobile game that people thought, well, shit, how about one of Niantic's own games? Actually, I'll speak to this NBA all world. They had the NBA license. That game flopped in less than a year because they thought people would want to do the Pokemon go model in a, in the NBA thing. And I'll tell you why that game fucking sucked. And I say this as somebody who loves AR gaming and does an awful lot of it. NBA all world fucking sucked because at its core, it was a really shitty single player basketball game that you had to walk to actual basketball court courts to pe play. And if you walk to an actual basketball court, I don't think you want to play basketball on your phone. That whole game was shit design from the front and I, I hate to say it because you know i i i know people that worked on it quite frankly um and i i feel like an asshole saying it but it's it's the real i also realize these people didn't make these types of decisions and i'm sure we're pushing back against it because... well that's also more the reason too why they should be you know well first off not green lighting all of these live service games because you know like pokemon go that takes up a certain amount of time. Like you cannot play. I mean, you, I mean, usually you're not playing multiple games at the same time. I mean, sure, passively maybe you can, but like actively playing these games, you only have time to play maybe one or two of them or something like that. So to create ten new live service games, Sony, like you have a live service game, Destiny, you're just cannibalizing yourself at this point, like. You're obviously they're not all going to be successful, and you know if history shows us recently, even most of them are not, and a lot of them are crap. So, like, you know, maybe don't do that. Yeah, there's there's um, some really shitty calls happening in the gaming industry at the top levels of what games should we be making, and at its core, I think what's driving a lot of these layoffs 
is the realization of maybe we shouldn't be making these games. Oops. And now frontline workers and hardworking artists, programmers, PR types of folks are paying the price because somebody at the top thought they could make the next money printing game just by making it. And that's simply not true. I will say, though, um, you know, and I'm not going to repeat too much of what he said on his show because I'll, I'll, I'll forge you over to Bobby Blackwolf's show because he's on before us live. I thought, he, I thought he had a really interesting take on this, and I thought he was really right on, so I do kind of want to repeat it. But he was talking a little bit about how, you know, in this day and age, you're you have these very, very, very large budget games. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth just came out this week, right? Think about how many millions of dollars that game take to make. And think about how many millions of dollars these other large AAA games take to make. And the industry can't substantiate all of these AAA games. The games that tend to succeed are the ones that are made with smaller teams. And if you go back in the day to the Atari 2600 days, uh, it took one person to make the, a lot of those games. You know, Howard Scott Warshaw programmed E.T. for better or worse by himself. Art, music, game design, all of it by himself. And David Crane, Pitfall, et cetera, et cetera. The story goes on. You know, there, there were, to, to be fair to the folks in the 80s, there were, of course, people involved with PR, making the instruction manual, making, but I think you get my point. You made a big game with a lot less people back in those days. And then those games, when adjusting for inflation, those games were selling for like $90. So maybe even more, honestly. Bobby gave some of the exact figures <laughs> on his show. But you know what I mean when we're talking about inflation, right? What used to cost $50 back in the day costs a lot more now. And um, now... I uh, like what Bad Culture said, too. Oh, in chat? Over at twitch.tv. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I'm no. just going to repeat it because it's a joke no, and massive amounts of Coke. I, which... That's right. They consume so much Coca-Cola. It just, you know, it made Coke what it is today. Which is true. Is true. And I'm not going to yeah, pick on a really particular individual, but how do you think people met those six-week deadlines on those games? Drinking all that yeah. delicious Coca-Cola beverage product and cocaine. Lots of cocaine. Just, <laughs> just going to throw that out there. There it is. Uh, Questbuster always they were they went on an eight ball bender. Questbuster always points out, and this is correct too, to piggyback on what Rob is saying. Back then, selling selling fifty or a hundred k copies of a game for the PC was considered monumental, and so on and so on. And I think you know you you guys get the point. And again, I I want to point at Bobby's show because I think he framed it very well and so forth. And I, I would hope you're listening to both of our shows because uh, you know I want to support all our, all our pals here at Vogue Network, but. Um, at the end of the day, what it boils down to is that all these companies want to make these very expensive games because they see them printing money like Pokemon Go. But the reality is Pokemon Go is something that happens once in a blue moon or a Fortnite. You name it. I know I keep coming back to Pokemon Go, but fine. Fortnite, you know, the games that have been successful with it. I was even Dead by Daylight on the Battle Pass for actually that game for what it is and the budget that that game was likely made on very well and very long running for that format. But we all know for every dead by daylight, there's been easily 20 other horror games flopping. It feels like a lot of it. Like if you are focusing, obviously you want to be profitable as a company, but if, if what you're looking at is I'm looking to make money instead of I'm looking to make a game, mm -hmm. then you're going to get, 
garbage is what you're going to get. Well, you know, the video game industry and the movie industry often a lot more related than we'd like to think. And I'm not just talking literally about how like a lot of great TV shows right now are based on video games. I mean, where the movie industry tends to go, the video game industry tends to go. This has been if if there's been one of a few themes that have come up in the 22 years we've been doing this show. That's one of the big ones where the movie industry goes, the video games tend to follow. And you know what? The, the movie industry is suffering a similar problem right now. They're dealing with it in very different ways, but there's also a lot of layoffs happening. Over, I want to say with all the, the write-offs there that didn't Warner Brothers actually lay off a bunch of people recently too? One of those companies did. Sorry, somebody in chat will correct me, I'm sure. Yay, internet. But what I wanted to talk about was all these streaming services. All these streaming services making these big budget productions. Big budget productions. And what is the movie industry now learning? People don't want to subscribe to all of these fucking streaming services. And it might not be profitable to make all of these big budget productions because people aren't going to go to a service necessarily just for one thing or they're going to watch it and then they're going to cancel it or, or so on. It's probably a better idea for these streaming services to look at either consolidating into, you know, larger or things, which is what we've been hearing. The rumor is about uh, Paramount. I think it was Paramount plus and Hulu. We're talking about combining. And now it's Paramount plus and Peacock, which I do hope happens because Paramount plus and Peacock. If you were to chop up those words, that service could be called Mount cock. <laughs> if they actually were to uh, combine. So I'm all for Mount cock, <laughs> a service with drag race and the traders. Sure. But anyway, all joking aside about Mount Cock. I feel like this is sadly through these layoffs where we see the game industry may actually be going. It's hard to tell just yet. I'm not I'm not willing to give the credit to the CEO of the gaming industries that they're getting it right. I'm not willing to give that credit yet. And I think we're years off from seeing that. But I think the gaming industry is starting to realize we need to be able to make smaller games that move a profitable amount of copies other than putting all of our money into games that will forever print money and then fucking shit the bed when they're released. Well, and that's also kind of think why we may see this move to more multi-platform stuff because you look at it like, sure, you want to get people in on your, you know, if you're Sony or Microsoft, you want them in on your, um, you know, ecosystem, but you're not profitable on consoles. Like, I don't think you really care about selling consoles or not. So if you could just get your products wherever people ha are playing games, then that's a win-win for you. Certainly, though, if you're looking to get, like, more of the money, you know, buying a certain platform, for example, um, that's where they have those exclusives. But I don't know if those are necessarily paying as much dividends as they used to. So it, we may see a lot of these things go you know, either exclusive for a short period of time or start really branching out multi-platform PC, maybe even other consoles, mm -hmm. you know, um, especially if we see Microsoft having success with that, with mm -hmm. what they're doing. Sony's already experimented with that a little bit with MLB, but um, I don't think this is the end of that for sure. 
Uh, reading some comments in chat over twitch.tv slash Vogue Network. There's a lot of comments about release Coyote versus Acme and Batgirl. Damn it, says Pod Culture. Bobby said the first comment there. Uh, E3VL talking about Netflix having crossover content recently. There's a lot of those streaming services are picking up international shows too, which is a big, big thing. Uh, but I this comment made me laugh. Dr. Tsuya in chat said, I would be okay with that we have Paramount Plus through Walmart and wouldn't mind subbing to the cock <laughs> using apostrophe cock. Peacock, you are missing a brilliant marketing opportunity. You could have these ads with like all of these very overtly heterosexual men talking about, yeah, man, are you subbing to the cock? Let's go over to Matt's house tonight because he's got the cock. And they could do, they could be this whole thing. And then they're going over there to watch what? Football games that are streamed on Peacock, WWF, and all the very manly things that you can only find well. on the cock. Like, Here's the problem what is, is what is Peacock doing? Macho little man babies would <laughs> would flip their lid. They're like, oh my god, they're trying to make me woke and gay. I can't <laughs> have this. Like it, it just you made me think about cocks. Oh no. Now I am gay. Oh, those liberals, damn it, they've done it again. You know, like it's that's the problem. That's the society we live in. If it was like the 1990s or something like that, sure, like that that type of joke would be perfectly fine on television. But uh, unfortunately, people are too like I don't know uptight. I guess I'm sorry. You know, I I just I can't help but think about all these panels I've done over the years talking about podcasts at places like Dragon Con and stuff. And I always I always tell people when you're going to start a podcast, you need to think about. Not just the name of your podcast, but you need to think about what is going to make your podcast different from, and I I swear there's a point here, what's going to make your podcast different from other podcasts, and you should always have that movie poster line, right? There's always that movie poster line under the name, you know, like Poltergeist, they're here, is like the little thing, right? You always have that little line under it, right? And how much do I believe now the line that should be under Orange Lounge Radio is woke and gay? (laughs) (laughs) that's the best thing i've heard to our channel tags yeah woke and gay dark Dark sakura what would you say if you could if you could summarize the secret to having a a very successful 22 year long running podcast in just three words what three words would you pick two words what shrug emoji (laughs) I pitched you the perfect setup. Swing and a miss. That's all right. Woke and gay. All right. Woke and gay. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, looking in chat over at twitch.tv slash Vogue Network. Uh, Tiger Claw says Walmart buying Vizio means that you'll see a lot of Walmart advertisements on those TVs plastered everywhere. Oh, and there's going to get with video games. Same thing. That's how they make some of the money back ads and gamings and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. All of it. All right. Anyway, um, it sucks that these layoffs are happening. Um, I, I hope it's not the end of it, unfortunately. And it's not the end of it. I I think as much as I've been talking about, oh, Nintendo's been to me, I I think we'll probably hear something on that front. I hope not, but I'm going to just accept the reality. It's probably coming. I would imagine that these will die down after the end of March. uh, Because fiscal year. Mm -hmm. I think they're trying to pad the numbers a bit to make them look more profitable than they are 
um, by doing these layoffs. And I think once they've passed that mark and they've given the numbers to their investors that it should calm down a little bit for a few months. But, like, you know, eventually they'll have to deal with reality again. All right. Um, well, we'll see. I, I, I hope we're not continuing to report on these every week, but unfortunately, I think for the next few weeks, like Loki says, I think uh, I think uh, through March, that's uh, unfortunately probably right on. All right. Well, in the meantime, we have more headlines coming at you in just a little bit. But first, we want to take a break to talk about our woke and gaming weeks. So, uh, Dark Sakura, how was your gaming week? My gaming week was uh, a little blue. It was a little blue. Um, I, well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get a a little bit more into that. Uh, but basically, um, I, uh, of course I played Dead by Daylight and I played, uh, some, uh, uh, Genshin Impact, but I played something else that has significantly taken up my attention. Um, what that thing is... Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Okay. And honestly, I freaking love it. It's it's really just I don't really I don't really have a way to describe it. It's got all of the exploration and puzzling of you know, like Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. And it has a lot more of the the realism and kind of combat-y stuff for folks who like to play those combat-y games, you know? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, and for me, you know, I like sort of, I, I'm trying to think of how I like, how I still say it, it's sort of like the artificial sociology. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, like created cultures and things like that. Um, I have to say, I, I really got into it. Those are the kinds of things that I like in a game. And it took all of my favorite things that I liked in the movies and just smashed them all into one thing. And it's really, really freaking pretty. Like, I can't get over it. It's, and I, I've, I've sat and played for like eight hours plus. You know, I mean, I've gotten up to ice my back because I I pretty much had nothing else to do while my back was kind of screwed up. But it's. I I just really don't know what to say. It's just been really nice. No, I mean, really fun. If nothing else, like even I I still haven't haven't even seen the second Avatar movie. But one thing I know about Avatar, it's pretty. And sometimes you want to play a video game. Why? Because it's pretty. And I, I, I get there's probably more in-depth stuff especially for somebody who i know you were a fan of the first movie and so forth you know and and, and all of that and there's both. A, yeah there's a lot of there's probably a lot of lore and things to unpack so it's but it's it's also pretty yeah you know so i think there's there's a lot of that um Questbuster in chat says avatar frontiers is still on my list i love open box sandboxes and yeah i think especially with that particular ip and the reason why a lot of people are drawn to avatar i think an open box sandbox in that universe is really what you know there's there's certain people that are really looking for that a lot of people and and to go on what ssj 100 matt says sometimes a shiny comes along and distracts you from your main quest mm-hmm. that happens a lot but what 
I like about it is that you also don't really necessarily have like a level systems per se. You discover things that increase your health. You upgrade your armor so a little bit more realistic as to how well you do. You know, you you find better craftsmen or better quality materials to craft with. Um, and but I like doing all of the like uh, clan things and like my my brain is just like has been like super like I want more story for the character I'm playing you know I want to give her a name for example I want to you know they just call her by her clan name which you know she and these other kids that that were kidnapped are the only people left and so I mean you could be she or he or they or whatever you want but but I've just I've been just all over the place. They had a non-binary Navi in oh. in the game. I thought that was cool, and and didn't treat it like it was anything special. You know, they just said, "Oh, they are here." And when you talk to them, you can't tell. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's they they seem really uh, androgynous to me, um, and I thought that was handled well. Um, and like, if you tried to go to a place that like maybe is at the boundary or something, they have a legitimate reason for it. Like, oh, this is too far for your Ikran to travel to, or blah blah blah. Um, and and it's just been just I don't know. I just had so much fun with it, down to the riding the dire horses to. You know the whole quest that took me for freaking ever to to tame your ikran or not tame but to bond with one, and and also it gives a really good message to it because you know when you go to take down these uh, sites by you know the RDA the the humans that are trying to be shitholes, you know the area around it is polluted and sapped of energy and you can't use any of the materials that you find there except for like sticks. And then when you take it down, everything is reclaimed. So I think that, you know, and it really drives into about how people want more of things that they don't need instead of being happy with what they have. And I think that that's, you know, that's pretty interesting too. So, uh, you know, certainly moral lessons trying to be taught in it that may not appeal to everybody, but, but I don't know. I like it. I'm cool with it. It's it's. I'm having a lot of fun. That's it. That's it. That's the word right there. Video games are supposed to be fun, and if that's fun and how you're having fun, that's it. You don't you don't you don't gotta justify that to anybody. <laughs> so. Uh, well, I mean, great. I was just also going over some of the high yeah. points of the game. Of course. And, well, and, and the thing that I like is that you do not have to beat the game right away. You don't have to beat any of the things. You can just run around and go hunting if you want to. Mm-hmm. And you can bring back, like, the things that you gather and give it to different camps and, and home, like, the home tree or the base camp for another group. or And... It's just really, really, I don't know. I just think that's fun. You kind of get to live in, in, in their, you know, bare feet for a little while. Yeah. Which is, I remember after that first movie came out, that's what some people really wanted to do was live in that world, you know, and video games are a way to kind of do that a little bit. So 
Well, and one other thing that's important as well, that first game that came out is considered non-canon. This is considered canon. Mm. Like they bring in all kinds of stuff in in the movies and it's set between the first and second movie. Hmm. Neat. All right. Well, let's move on. And uh, if that's it for your gaming week, we'll talk to Loki. And how was your gaming week? I just played Minecraft as usual. <laughs> that all? It's that. That's it. Yeah, that's uh, I've been working on just the the big build for my first dark ride, uh, which is taking a lot of time. I'm I'm actually editing together another episode now. That's kind of in between all that stuff, and just um, been messing around in the game. About it. Haven't done anything exciting. Nice. All right. Cool. Um, all right, well then I'll talk about my gaming week, which obviously because I was on the cruise was very um, short. Uh, so I've been continuing to play Final Fantasy XIV a little bit because uh, just playing with my friends and helping them level up and been grinding tomes is what you do in the end game to really kind of get some of the best gear. It encourages you to check in on the content regularly. And I'm still working on getting my crafting and gathering classes to level 90 and getting all of my classes to level 90 before the next expansion, which I think is going to be June-ish. I've also been playing a bit of Diablo 4. Uh, I have expressed on this show before I was not a fan of the current season compared to the other two, and I'm still not. Uh, but they've really tried to make some changes to make it a bit more palatable, uh, make it uh, less annoying with some of the platform mechanics. Again, I think just at its core, putting the platform mechanics in the game was a really bad idea. Um, and I think, but I think. I, I think the creators are getting the message loud and clear. It's not on our show world tonight, but they're going to be doing a public test realm for the next season. And I think that's huge because I think it shows that they want to get feedback before they actually launch it. They're not trying to be so secretive. Um, they're also making huge changes when it comes to things like itemization. So I think that that is all very welcome. I still want to finish the battle pass for this particular season because yes, I did buy the battle pass, but I love Diablo uh, and even when I'm not super into the season as much as others, it's still very like I get in that zone. I think very similar to, you know, what you hear my co-hosts talk about the games that they enjoy. You get in that zone and it's just like just slaying the demons and, you know, clicking and seeing the numbers go up is a very just mind numbingly wonderful thing. So what I can talk about here instead, I want to take a little bit of a, a tangent train because I want to talk about the cruise because I know last week we weren't here and I was talking to Bobby Blackwolf on Discord and I told him in a couple sentences something that happened uh, and he kind of left you with a teaser on last week's show and that was that was true and I'm going to go ahead and tell you this story now exactly what all went into that. And I, I know my co-host may be wondering, what the hell are you talking about? I'll, I'll, I'll cover it. But I just want to preface this by saying the day that it happened, I thought that this would be like a funny story. I would be able to tell a lot. Um, but I'm going to tell a story. And in this story, I almost die. This is a very I'm, – I'm, this is not um, hyperbole. This is like a legit thing that happened. I'm going to explain it here. And um, for that reason, I've been having trauma the past couple nights and difficulty trying to sleep. It's getting better since the incident happened. But there were a few nights after that that like I was like legit having nightmares and kind of reliving the experience and so forth. Um, so uh, I'm telling this now because I'm fine with this being recorded and out there because I'm not sure how often I want to tell this story again. And I probably will not be telling this story, even though there are some interesting celebrity twists to it. I will not be telling this story on uh, at work 
uh, because if I do, I'm going to have to tell it in every meeting I go to. I'm not going to be telling this with the Rocky Horror and Love Horror crowd or even certain groups of people that know me IRL because I just I'm, – I'm, I'm going to be sick of telling it at a certain point. But I am going to tell it now because I promised I would. So here's what happened. I'm going to tell you about the Curacao incident. Okay. So the boat for this cruise that we were on was scheduled to stop in two places. We were going to Curacao and we were going to go to um, Aruba. And uh, obviously, when you go on a cruise ship, you try to plan what are you going to do for those few hours while you're in these different places. Um, so uh, Curacao was one of the places that we were going. And um, the official excursions, that's what they call it when you're going to go on a shopping adventure or you're going to go on a you know boat tour or something. The official excursions through the Royal Caribbean who did the cruise. And by the way, I think everybody knows this at this point, but for any new listeners, I was on a Star Trek themed cruise. Very important, right? Is uh, you know, all these actors, it's like a floating convention type of thing. Um, all the excursions for Curacao were sold out long in advance. So sometimes what people will do is they'll put together like a private excursion. They go out and they find these other types of things that um can happen. And so a trusted friend was putting together this excursion to go on a powerboat trip uh out around the island of Curacao. Um, and, uh, it was going to be about 18 of us. And as part of this trip, we were going to get to have an opportunity to do some snorkeling in what they call the blue cave, which is a very, like one of those really, and you see these things in books, like it's this underwater cave with blue tinge and a blue hue. And, you know, just the fish you can see when you're snorkeling, like a turtle at the bottom of the ocean and all this stuff, um, with the blue, with the blue cave and everything. Um, so when I saw the pictures, I was like, oh, hell yes, I want to do this. And we'll be with friends. I mean, it won't just exclusively be friends because I think the boat held 18 people. So the friend was really trying to fill it out. So it was like, maybe not everybody I would know, but I would know most of the people. And everybody's a Star Trek nerd anyway. So, uh, you know, we're all going to, you know, kind of be in a similar kind of mindset. Nerds going out on an adventure. So we get to Curacao. We're walking to find the boat. We have a hard time finding it because of its construction. But thanks to maps, we find it. We get there. Um, and actually, before we're actually walking over there, we're getting in the waiting area. And I see that one of the people that's waiting with us is uh, – this is more just an interesting kind of part of the story. One of the people waiting is Garrett Wong. And if you don't know that name, he played a character on Star Trek Voyager, Harry Kim. So if you ever saw Star Trek Voyager, you might remember Harry Kim. The joke is that he was never promoted uh, throughout the entirety of the show and so forth. He even does a stand-up bit on that. That was an actor that played that role named Garrett Wong. He actually still he – do, he's very heavy in Star Trek fandom. He goes to Dragon Con and all this stuff. So he was waiting in the area. Come to find out, he was a friend of a friend and was actually coming on this excursion with us. Which is just kind of like, I don't, I don't usually cool. get, yeah, right? Like, I don't get Starstruck or any of that stuff really, you know, once in a blue moon. I did meet LeVar Burton on this cruise, and that was like the one day I was Starstruck. I was like, <laughs> LeVar Burton in many ways, like, like literally after school was teaching. He was an edu- he was a teacher. He was one of my favorite teachers, right, through Reading Rainbow. And I think people of a certain age, you know, associate that with LeVar Burton. But anyway, so. So I get starstruck with him, but you know, like people like Garrett, I'm like, whatever. He goes to Dragon Con like me and he participates with tracks. He just has this very unique job that he did in his twenties and continues to dabble in and so forth. So there's a boat, friends, Garrett going out in the ocean, Curacao, beautiful water. Oh my God. Like just blue water that you would only see in fucking books and stuff. It was, it was amazing stuff. We go. We're on a boat and it's rocking up and down because it's like it's like being on a roller coaster, right? 
we get to after probably a good 20 minutes and I'm watching us on the map. We're going like halfway around the island. We get to where the blue cave is. And this is very exciting because this is why I wanted to see from all the picture books and all this stuff. But there's a problem. You see, the boat is only able to go inside the blue cave when it's low tide. When it's high tide, the boat can't go in the cave. However, what the excursion folks do is that they park the boat uh, where it is safe to do so, where the water is, you know, deep enough to put the anchor down and, you know, whatever it's trade. They can't do it right next to the cave. They have to do it a, a significant distance from the cave. Um, and they park there. And what you do is that you you get out into the ocean and you snort. Sorry, I accidentally hit the um, mute button while I was talking with my hands. You get out of the boat and you snorkel your way over to the cave. Okay. And then um, you have to like hold your head as you go under the rock so you can actually get into the cave because the water's that high. Right. And they actually suggest you can go out with a life preserver on, but if you do it, it's going to be almost impossible for you to actually get under the rock and get inside the blue cave. So a few of my friends take off and they start, you know, doing their snorkel thing and they're going over there and so forth. And, you know, I'm kind of thinking, well, my snorkeling experience isn't very vast, but I'm probably in better physical shape than I've been in my entire life ever since I lost the weight for diabetes. I do, you know, I've been swimming enough where I, I trust my abilities to do so and so forth. So my friends kind of go, but Alan, my husband is telling me I'm not, he's not going to go. He's like, I don't trust my swimming ability enough. This does not look good. I don't want to do this. I want to stay in the boat. Fine. You, you can do exactly what you want to do that as long as you're having fun, that's what it's all about. And he's like, yeah, I'm just enjoying being here and so forth. So he decided to stay in the boat, but because we were having a conversation, some of the other people were already pretty much on their way towards the blue cave and almost over there. There was a contingent of people left in the boat looking for life preservers because they they wanted to go, but they didn't. They were like, we don't care. We want to get close enough, but we don't need to go in. Like, we'll wear the life jackets. So I finally decide to get in the water and I start going. And I go and I'm swimming and I'm a decent swimmer. I get about halfway to where the cave is. And my problem is, is that I'm using really cheap rental snorkel gear that I'm not super comfortable with using and doing. And I start to have a pretty bad mishap. Uh, water starts getting in my tube, the snorkeling tube. And water starts getting in my mask. I'm like trying to like take the mask off and I'm trying to do this thing and get, get the water out of this. And I, I kind of realize I'm struggling and I'm having this moment where I'm like, I might be in over my head here. I need to not continue and i notice i am halfway exactly between the boat and the blue cave and i say you know what i'm going to head back to the boat because the boat i know what's there the blue cave i don't know what's there i don't know if my friends are over there able to stand on things they weren't or what they could do i i need to go back to the boat so i start to go back to the boat but my problems start to compound and i start to panic more and my legs start burning and they're hurting and i realize I'm in trouble and I'm starting to get overwhelmed. And this is the moment where I noticed the um, um, excursion director. She saw what was happening. She started immediately swimming towards me. She knew what was happening. And I'm trying to float on my back a little bit because that I do know how to do to try to stay. But because of the rough waters, it being high tide, I was having a real problem doing that without water going where it shouldn't be and panicking almost a little bit more. So then it happens. I start screaming, help, help, help. And I hear from the boat, are you serious? <laughs> yes. 
yes, because there were still people in the boat. Remember, just about four or five people in the boat. And yes, and I'm I'm frantically kicking around and so forth. So one of the people still in the boat, by the way, is Garrett Wong. He was one of the people that was looking for life preserver and another another friend. Now, in my mind, I get tossed a life jacket. Well, that happened. That wasn't in my mind. In my mind, I saw the life jacket being thrown by Garrett Wong. But later that night at dinner, I found out it was a different friend of a friend, Greg, who actually threw the life jacket, but Garrett was standing next to him and throws me the life jacket. And I'm able to grab onto it. So I have something to kind of like float in the water with. Um, And finally, I kind of the lady kind of gets makes her way to me and is able to kind of push me there. I get to the ladder and I get pulled up by Greg and Garrett basically pull me up over the boat thing and uh, I make it. I'm back on the boat and I'm okay. But um, as you can imagine, I'm my heart rate is through the roof. And as a result, I'm getting nauseous from everything that's going on. Um, and I'm dying of embarrassment is really what it is. I'm dying of embarrassment. Like it's it's not even the fact that it's like a, a, a certain type of celebrity, but like all my friends. And I like thought I could do this thing, but the situation compounded and just got completely out of control. And I just like, you know, I was just, it was all those things. I was just like freaking out. Right. And, um, finally I calmed down and, you know, those that wanted to keep going, they did, they got back out to the cave, including Garrett and everybody. they got their life jackets on. They went out to the cave, did their thing and came back. Alan was still on the boat, able to help me, which was fine. And once the boat starts to take off and we go to our second and third destinations, which I didn't try to do this again, they asked me, do I want to put on a life jacket and try? I said, you know what? Fool me once. But fool me twice, I'm a dumb bitch. So I'm not going to do this again. So I stayed in the boat. And actually, once the boat got moving again, my nausea kind of cleared up. It was a really weird thing. Interestingly enough, I wasn't the only one who got nauseous. One of my other friends who did the swim the whole way out and back, his heart rate got so high as a result, he actually bleh over the boat end uh, several times. And I know he was very embarrassed about that too. But you know, in the moment, again... I, tr- I tend to defuse these traumatic situations with humor. You've probably uh, noticed this about me over the last few years. So I'm just joking. Oh, we're trauma buddies. Yay. We're bonded through this experience and so forth. And we have like pictures together and all this stuff and, you know, um, and so forth. So everybody assured me it was fine. These things happened. They were just concerned about my well-being and so forth. But I was certainly dying of experience. And that was uh, definitely a scary experience. And, um, you know, should I have probably known better? Probably, but at the same time, I'm watching all of my friends in various states of athleticism, you know, uh, doing this. And I was like, oh, I won't have a problem doing this. And I did. And it was it was really the snorkel's fault. I should have been more prepared for what the snorkeling would actually entail. And I wasn't. Um, and so, like, if it was going to be like that, I should have just swam normally or something. I don't know. But anyway, like I said, uh, I... Uh, I've been replaying that incident a couple times since then. And even though the day it happened, it was one of those like, oh, this is funny because it was, and we were joking about like, I even talked with Garrett about it afterwards. And we were, cause we, we were talking about Dragon Con and some other stuff that we have in common. And I was joking about, you know, Garrett, I'm going to have to tell this story and I'm going to embellish it. And I'm going to talk about how you saved my life with mouth to mouth resuscitation and all this stuff. Right. You know, and, and so forth. And I'm joking. He's like, oh yeah, that's funny. You should do it. You should tell this story. So forth. But like in the days that have followed it, I'm like, I I I actually don't like talking about this. So, but there you go. I promised the story there. Um, there it is. And it is, 
I will say this. It's interesting. Like, if I'm going to embarrass myself, do it fucking bigly <laughs> on a big scale, right? So here it is. Has nothing to do with video games, but I know some of you are curious. The rest of the cruise was fine. I don't like, I don't want to make it sound like it ruined everything, but it was just definitely one of those like humbling moments of like, oh, I'll have to take some notes and remember some things for next time uh, and read the fine print on what an adventure might actually entail and all that stuff. So anyway. <sighs> all right. Yeah. And Bobby says, I didn't hear the whole thing. I wouldn't have teased it otherwise. Not your fault. I told you to tease it. Cause literally when I was texting you, I was still on the boat, Bobby, like that had just happened like 30 minutes. Because I knew you were live or were about to be. I don't remember with the time change and everything. Because, yeah. But uh, I knew it was, like, coming up and, and so forth. So, uh, yeah. And Bobby does point out, I mean, you booked for next year. So, obviously, it ruined nothing. Uh, E3VL in chat says, did you sue the snorkeling rental company? No. Why would I? Nobody forced me to do that. And, you know, I can sit here and say, well, the the, the snorkel rent stuff was cheap. But... She did do what she needed to do to make sure I wasn't going to drown. Don't forget that part of the story. She instantly saw what was happening and intervened in the situation. So I'm no, I don't like I don't blame the company. So that's that. And I realized having that recorded means I could never take any. And that's I don't I don't want to. It's you know, I made a bad decision. It happens. So um SG100 Matt says, glad you're safe. Sorry that happened to you and sorry about the trauma it's caused after. It's okay. You know, I've actually, um, because I did tell the story to some friends the other night, I actually found out a friend of mine had a almost exact same thing experience minus the Star Trek connection on a different cruise. Like, a, a, and he says, that's why I'll never go snorkeling again. That was the, that was the most ridiculous. So anybody that's interested in snorkeling, do a lot, I, and I've done it before, but it was a long time. Do a lot of practice before you do something like that or know what the alternatives are or what have you. Uh, don't just, yeah, do it. So, you know what my secret is? What's I'm not interested in snorkeling. <laughs> and lesson learned because I'm, I'm of two mindsets because there's definitely that one half of Rob. After that happened, I was like, I'm going back home. I'm taking swimming lessons. I'm going to swim once a week at the gym. I'm going to build up that strength I need and I'm going to do this again next year and I'm going to fucking kick this thing's ass. I'm definitely, there's there's a half of me that was very much like the competitive Rob's like, no, I'm doing this again and I'm going to do it right. But I think I've more landed on the other half that's like, you know what? At one point in my life, I ate mayonnaise and I said, this is fucking disgusting. I never want it again. And here I am at one point in my life, I did a snorkeling excursion and I decided, you know what? Next time, I'm going to stick with a fucking shopping excursion because I know that that's for me and that's something that I'm going to do. But you know what? I tried. I think I probably would have been more pissed off if I had gone all the way out there and then decided not to try at all. I know that sounds really weird to say considering what happened, but I can't help but feel like I would have like regretted like not trying. So anyway. There you go. There's the story. We can talk about video games again. Well, I'm glad you made it back. Okay. Thank you. No, I do appreciate it. And again, if you know me in real life, you know, cause I, I do have several real life friends, please understand. I'm not in a rush to tell that story again. Um, so don't ask. That's my nice way of saying don't ask. All right.
I I will say this yeah. as someone who lives with per- permanent PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, not being able to talk about it or finding that you lose words or not being able to push it out is mm-hmm. very very normal. Yeah. So. I'm, I, I I do hope people respect your wishes. I, I am super thankful that, uh, you know, people were like, you know, th- they acknowledged, yeah, what happened was trauma and it's understandable, like what you're going through. But I just, <laughs> there's times I like being the center of attention. Let's be real. I'm a, I'm a show host and all this. I do this for God's sake. You know, there's times I like being the center of attention. There's times I really don't like being the center of attention. <laughs> And I think you know why I'm explaining that. This was a time I don't like being the center of attention. Um, but it is what it is. I did, I did give Garrett full permission. And even my friend told him that he had full permission to use it in a bit if he wanted to. Because he tells, he tells stories about the cruise and stuff like that. So I – if for what I, – I don't think he would – again, because I'm sitting here going, I don't know how that's funny. I don't know how you make it funny. I think there might be ways to do it. But – if for whatever reason he ever tells that story someday, he does have permission. Okay, despite what I just said, I did give the permission. It's fine, um, but I'm not sure how a story like that's going to be funny. I I had heard something about as my friend and him were talking about it. There was a joke about mouth to mouth didn't work, so I tried mouth to south, and that got him right up. And so at this point, it turns into things that are completely fucking fiction that are just like so whatever. So if it's as if it isn't what actually happened, then whatever. So all right. Enough talk about that. Let's go back to video games because video games are how we escape these things. Um, but it was it was over, overall it was good. All right, that's enough. Let's talk about video games. Uh, Loki going back to studio talks and uh, not layoffs, but merging and unmerging. Well, right? Yeah, barely. I mean, we just had layoffs from the Embracer Group, but uh, now we're hearing of different studios trying to separate themselves from Embracer. So, for example, one of those is Gearbox Entertainment, who um, is looking to uh, separate from the company. Um, Gearbox was acquired by Embracer for $1.3 billion back in 2021. And uh, according to Randy Pitchford, that I'm delighted that uh, what we might be up to is interesting enough for people to make a story about it for your readers, I'm honored and humbled by it that our company is the topic of rumor, speculation, discussion. As always, I'll be thrilled to share whenever I have projects to announce or share something else. So, in other words, he's not going to really say anything about it. Um, but the rumor is coming from um, that there were uh, basically folks saying that they're looking to separate, maybe even go independent. So, I'm wondering if that's still going to happen. But I hope so, because if not, you know, a lot of the companies under Embracer have kind of gone under. Um, uh, speaking of uh, a Borderlands, the movie trailer was a movie trailer. Oh, I'll I go see it. that. That came out. While I never did go and watch that. I need to do that. I, I, it's it's. I don't think the casting of the characters is great. I just don't see them as those characters. Like it's like the characters look okay. Um, but like, I don't know. I just don't see Kevin Hart as Roland and I don't see, um, oh God, I don't remember who's playing Lilith, but, uh, Kate Blanchett playing Lilith. It's just age and 
body types are just it, it doesn't really fit to me um and also how they portray it i don't mind jack black doing the the voice of claptrap i mean that's okay i wish they had the original guy but i understand that they broke those they burned that bridge so that makes sense too um what else uh saber inactive is looking to leave um embracer group as well so saber inactive just recently did the remake of uh, star wars knights of the old republic and apparently um that th- they're looking to i guess they're worth uh 500 million dollars saber they're saying this uh of course it was purchased by them back then uh for 525 million dollars so it's going to be taking maybe a little bit of loss um but apparently that there there's an option for saber to bring along multiple embracer subsidiaries as well so hmm. they may be purchasing themselves and maybe somebody else along with that um i, I, I will admit this whole separating from the bit that i didn't even know this was a thing that could be done and it's it's got to be a very complicated legal thing that i'm not i'm not going to pretend to understand um i just find this very interesting especially with all the you know problems that embracer's been having in their botched investment well, yeah you know, they need money that. so yeah. like you know if people are willing to buy mm. some of their assets for you know i guess when you break it down and make it, it that simple yeah i guess i guess that's what it is if embracer needs to make money they'll sell they'll sell them but it's yeah it's so weird it, to hear that happening in a way yeah so um it'll be interesting to see what what they end up doing um I just hope it's not more layoffs. Um, along with that, though, we also have uh, that Toys for Bob is going to be um, departing from Activision as well. Um, and they're going to be going independent. So, of course, they were the studio behind uh, some of the Crash Bandicoot and Spyro games. And I think they even I think at one time they may have even worked on Guitar Hero or uh, Call of Duty as well uh oh toys for Bob. no that's uh skylanders Just, that's yeah right. toys for Bob with skylanders is their huge skylanders yeah that, that's right um so yeah they're gonna be going off and doing their thing um so that's Which cool will probably look nothing like call of duty <laughs> well yes because it's you know um yeah 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 i imagine more towards the skylanders crash well i'm around. This seems to be a way for studios to lean the headcount without actually losing jobs. So as as weird as this is, this actually seems like best case scenario for some of these things, I think. (laughs) Am I wrong in that line of thinking? Because it allows, you know, Saber, Toys for... Well, Toys for Bob just had layoffs, but I guess to avoid more or whatever. Yeah, it's... Like separate in their own thing that can be run differently and and not you know be subject to the same right like if they're not saying you know if they're keeping the ip like for example activision's keeping the ip um and they're looking to cut you know bodies they may be just like listen we'll just all leave and we'll be independent and that'll take care of your body count that you need to cut or whatever i don't know i don't know business i don't know what i'm talking about I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have spent two billion dollars or two. Was it two trillion dollars on all these different studios? Yeah. I mean, and if I did, I certainly would have make a crappy Saints Row game like they did. Jesus. Um. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Uh. Well, let's talk about uh, a a big studio with a, a new game that uh people are very much looking forward to. I think. But actually, first, I just want to mention this because in light of the story I just told and something I'm I'm noticing, I I hadn't noticed till now because I couldn't see this. 
until under the studio lights. The lights I have here are a different type of hue. And I noticed it when I was holding my hand up to the camera. But this this yellow in there, it's a bruise. That's when I slammed against the boat and was flinging over the edge. So sorry, I know that's a little weird, but I literally just now am seeing this for the first time because I knew it was bruised because I could feel it, but I couldn't see it until it was under this specific type of light until just now. So interesting. Anyway, let's talk about Pokemon because Pokemon is a great thing that we have fun with and it takes our mind off of all the troubles of the real world. And I love Pokemon Legends. I think it was a great uh, entry in the Pokemon franchise. In fact, I'm going to be honest. I like Pokemon Legends more than I like mainstream Pokemon at this point, and I know I'm not the only one that thinks that. So very excited to hear as a part of the recent Pokemon Direct that they did or the Pokemon Presents that Pokemon Legends za or z to a is what it really is uh pokemon legends z to a is a new game announced for 2025 they didn't say a lot they don't don't expect a frame of footage with it but uh we just know that it's coming it's coming in 2025 it is taking place in the kalos region that is from pokemon x and y which were um on uh i believe that is gen six because it wasn't sun and moon that came after the fact so it's gen six the first 3ds series uh so that's a, a futuristic version of that apparently uh the the city that is seen in the trailer that looks very tron lumio city um that is the only region for this game now i'm just going to assume i mean because it would be silly to have a game with like just one region um it's probably the futuristic element of it and the fact that it's so big, it's probably split up into all these different varying types like your ice region, your water region. I'm sure there will be at least five zones just like there was in the first Pokemon Legends game. Um, but a lot of people are like, oh, Pokemon Legends Z to A is only in Lumio City. I think there's a lot of asterisks with that i think you can still expect a pretty varied game there so it uh, also looks like based on the trailer mega evolutions will be back in the game which was a part of what came out in x and y so uh all we know it's going to be in 2025 we don't know that for sure it's just the switch there's a lot of talk about the switch successor and i'm going to be quite honest I know there's been a lot of news about the Switch successor delayed to 2025 because that was in the news right before I left on the trip. Um, I I really hope this game is coming out on the Switch successor as well because from a technical perspective, Pokemon Legends barely made it. And it even has some technical problems, you know, that that prevent it from being, you know, way up here. There's a reason why people call Pal World Pokemon when it literally has nothing to do with Pokemon except the fact that some of the art looks really similar. <laughs> because that Pal World looks like what people want Pokemon to look like, but the current Nintendo Switch is incapable of making that level of graphics. So I hope that the Switch successor, this is something that the Pokemon Legends Z to A will be playable on. But I, I'll be getting it for sure. It looks looks incredible. I I can't wait to get it. So yeah, as you hear, Matt I'm says, done with Pokemon games. <laughs> oh, I've barely played the last ones I bought. Oh. I I've lost all interest. Uh. They're cute. Yeah. That. Yeah. Well, Legends is a different style for I what tried. it's worth. Yeah. But uh, I tried. SG100 Matt says coming to Switch systems is how they phrased it. Yeah. 
Dr. Sia says, weren't there also issues with Scarlet and Violet? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I'm still convinced there was a Switch successor uh, in planning that never happened. Uh, but, you know, go back and listen to an old episode. You want to hear me rant about that. Uh, some other little things. Yeah, we're here about it in 20 years when someone buys a dev unit on uh, play, on uh, there the internet. Go. There you go. Uh, finds some, the ROM. some other announcements that, you know, might be important to some people, but I, it, they're more a little meh for me. Uh, Pokemon TCG trading card game is digital with Pokemon TCG Pocket. Uh, you know, there is a Pokemon TCG online already, but this is a new game. TCG Pocket will have new elements. And if you're not interested in the or invested in the competitive side of the existing game, maybe you want to have more with the cards and the artwork and so forth. I don't know. They, they say it's different, but I could give a shit about the trading card games. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, it's a thing. and It's a thing not for me, and that's okay. Um, also, if you are playing Scarlet and Violet, there are new seven-star terror raid battles, including Venusaur, Charizard, and Blastoise with the Mightiest Mark. Uh, so if those are Pokemon you want to add to your team, those started uh, over last week on the 28th. Uh, also, Pokemon Horizons, the series, will be collaborating with Pokemon Go. Uh, that already – or no, it's starting on March 5th. Sorry, I've seen so many Pikachus and so many different hats. I thought that we already saw that one, but no, uh, the Cap Hat will be coming on March 5th. Uh, and uh, apparently a new attack for Pokemon Go, Volt Tackle, will be this as well. So, And some new Pokemon making their debut in Pokemon Go with this event. And then Pokemon Master Sex. Just kidding. It's Pokemon Masters EX, but you run it together. It's Pokemon Master Sex. Uh, we'll have some new syncing pairs with it as well. I don't play Master Sex pokemon so uh not something i really pay attention to pokemon unite i played this for a hot minute and they have uh miradon's unite license available and some more uh serial edge phalanx also joining the roster coming soon pokemon sleep will be getting a legendary pokemon raikou will be coming in march 2024 entei and sasoon will be coming after that there's also a login bonus if you are still interested in the pokemon company knowing where you sleep at night and then lastly pokemon cafe remix you can do gimme ghoul coins and that honestly everything except the legends announcement was very okay whatever cool so but i am excited about pokemon legends i look forward to new screenshots I want to know what the starter Pokemon are going to be. I want to know more about how that's all going to work. So we'll see. All right, moving on. Dark Sakura. Well, you know, people like to get themselves in trouble, and I don't know why they didn't think this wouldn't be trouble or why this seems to be the only group that Nintendo is focusing on. But Nintendo has filed a civil lawsuit. Uh, it happened on February 26th against... Uh, a developer called Tropic Haze that has a software called Yuzu. Um, Yuzu is a Switch emulator. Um, PC and Linux right now, they actually have on their site, they were working on a Mac one. Um, but they uh, they let people with that technology uh, pirate uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom for over 1 million times in a week and a half before the game came out um they basically said that that the harm was and i'm going to use the quote here manifest and irreparable end quote um so it was filed uh with uh, the district court of rhode island um 
And it says uh, that their Yuzu software unlawfully circumvents uh, the uh, the measures they have by executing code necessary to bypass technology associated with the Switch and its games. So basically, uh, it's using a, quote, illegally obtained copy of production keys um, that are secured on the console. And then it uses those keys to pass around um, so that people can basically download and play the company's games uh, outside of the Switch. Um, I, I, I'm actually going to read this quote from here in full just because it, it's interesting uh, from a technical perspective. In effect, Yuzu turns uh, general computing devices into tools for massive intellectual property and property infringement of Nintendo and others' copyrighted works. Today, Yuzu provides any internet user in the world with the means to unlawfully decrypt and play virtually any Nintendo Switch game, including Nintendo's current generation and most popular games, without ever paying a dime for a Nintendo console or that game. And to be clear, there is no lawful way to use Yuzu to play Nintendo Switch games including because it must decrypt the game's encryption. Defendant must be held accountable for willing, willfully providing users the means to violate Nintendo's intellectual property rights at such a scale. The harm to Nintendo is manifest and irreparable. So, um, yeah. Oh, also that emulator is out on Android, but whatever. Um, so they are looking for $150,000 in damages and any additional damages and profits Yuzu made from its violations, including their alleged 30000 a month that Tropic Haze makes from Patreon and that they stand trial for it. Um, so, yeah. I thought there was already a precedent. Download it while you can. Emulators are legal. <laughs> and on top of that, like, you know, they're saying that they're providing the encryption way or the means to decrypt it. They don't provide the keys. They tell you how to dump the keys, um, but they certainly don't provide them. Um, well, that, that's going to be between Nintendo and them in court. I I thought that, you know, well, it's... I mean, it's precedent already that this stuff is legal, but. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that Nintendo is you know claiming here. But I, I honestly, when they talk about a million pirated copies, when you consider I, the worldwide scale and the I, I could see it. I really could. But yeah, but but like pirated. Not, but, but but a lot of people that would work on emulators and pour a lot of their time into is it, it's not about pirating software. Do people use emulators for that? Yes, but you know what emulators are for and should be for is preserving software of which we all know Nintendo is one of the notorious worst companies doing it um, in, in, in many, in many other things. I, I, I realize y'all are going to point at the switch online and stuff, but no, 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 there's many, many games that don't exist there and so forth. I, 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 don't, I, I it'll be nice to have the court kind of settle this. And I, I think you're right, Loki. I think it has been answered before, but we see a lot of, telephone game happening with the legalese on social media and so forth and all this stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how emulators are legal and all this stuff. I think that yeah. I think the key circumventing part is going to be the tricky issue that they're going to get in hot water for. But I don't think that they're really circumventing any of the keys. You have to have the keys in or it's just like a ton of different emulators out there 
what Nintendo's trying to do is trying to, I think they're trying to do is they're not trying to win this case. They're just trying to bleed them of money. So because getting them into, you know, a lawsuit is going to cost them a lot more money that they don't have versus what Nintendo can pony up and it'll just bleed the company completely bankrupt is what they're trying to do. Because I don't think they have a case. You can't, first off, let's assume that the 1 million number is correct. You can't prove that all those people downloaded that game to play it on Yuzu. You can't prove that. Like, literally no. cannot. No, I so it, to, to prove the causation that, well, because the simulator existed, all these copies got pirated, that's not necessarily true. Like, there's a lot of yeah. things you, you played on actual hardware. There's... The, I mean, the piracy issue is different from the emulator issue. And I absolutely believe we need emulators because that's the only way this industry is going to have game preservation at the end of the day. We need it. Um, I, I understand where Nintendo is frustrated when their metrics and whatever they're looking at is showing them that they've lost, you know, a million. But the, these, I, I, we can have a deeper, these were a million people that were never going to buy the game in the first place. There's a lot of people that pirate things because they can. A lot of people to pirate things because they can. Um, but that is a separate issue from the emulator. But yes, the way Nintendo sees it, if they shut down the emulator, aha, then those people have nothing to play this on. They use emulators oh, so. on their I console. Found, I know, I know. I found a couple of others. Mm, what do you mean? Switch ones, and one of them for the Mac, specifically. Mm. Oh, like different types of emulators. Yeah, sure. I mean, they, they, they literally use emulators on... Like, I would love them to say, well, emulate... Let, let's come to the conclusion that emulators are only for piracy. And then they can go, well, then why the hell are you using emulators on your software then? Fair question. And they're not even developed by Nintendo. They are licensed to them to use. They're developed by other people. Like, you, you can't make... You can't have the argument both ways. You should join the legal team, Loki. It's a great argument. All right. Burn them to the ground. They're stupid. <laughs> like in, it's, the way they treat people over social media and all their stupid legalese with, you know, YouTube and all that stuff. Like, honestly, this this company is I think they need to take an L here pretty soon to like kind of be humbled and come back to the way things are, because they're right now they're getting too high on their horse and they really need to be kicked down. Not honestly, to, not to hijack the conversation but kind of because when you talk about nintendo taking an l my brain is going back i'm sorry but to pal world because i'm kind of sitting here going how has there not been a lawsuit still i i would have fully because expected it would have happened it's a different game no i know it's and I, I, I realize i am hijacking the conversation completely but like with everything that came out about powers, I'm kind of shocked that Nintendo hasn't pursued it legally. And granted, maybe it's still maybe I haven't given it enough time, which you know, I'm I'm kind of shocked to be honest. I it's I'm worried in a way about the precedent it's setting. That's all, because I think there is a strong argument for me to make about how how much art. How world is liberally borrowing, we'll say. Yeah, but it's hard to say, like, because I get it that things are similar to each other, but also you could say that, you know, they're inspired by real world animals, they're inspired by objects, they're inspired by mythological creatures that we all have artwork that represents that stuff. And yes, if you make two things 
in a similar art style based off of the same thing, they are going to look similar. They're not identical unless they are caught like literally taking the physical models from Nintendo's games and using them in their games and doing something with it. There's nothing they can do about it. They can whine and bitch about it all they want, but in the end, Power World I'm sorry is going to be a better game, I guess. Let's I'm, hope that you, let's hope your new one's good. I'm interested to see where the industry sort of takes this thing because to be fair, to be fair, Vampire Survivors had the same thing. It's just nobody cared because Konami hasn't really done anything with Castlevania in years and years and years. And it's 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 you know, it's a different thing. I, I think people kind of look at it differently because like, oh, well, Vampire Survivors is such a different game. It, it does it's it has really very little to do with Castlevania, but it, it literally lists like it's you, you can't tell me you don't see Castlevania. Are you talking Vampire about Survivors? Vampire Survivors or you're talking yes. about um uh what's the other one? Uh, the um, the one by the same creator that's in the same style. Because oh, Vampire Survivors is very different. I'm talking about Vampire Survivors. Oh, okay. Because uh, like when you're talking about like people liberally borrowing from other IP, I mean, Foam Stars, there's one. I mean, that's essentially Splatoon. No, but no, it's it, it, it it's not it's not the actual assets from it's not the Squid Kids. There's a there's and the, I understand, the but it's. Play, it's to what, like, literally Gameplay what you were wise. just saying, they did something kind of similar, but to put a twist on it, that's Foam Stars. Everybody's mad at Foam Stars over the AI album art thing. That's a totally different issue. <laughs> it's, it's, it, 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 yes, Bloodstain. That's what I, I was thinking. Oh, no, no. I don't, I don't think, no, it's nothing to do with Bloodstain in Castlevania. I think those two are, they are legally distinct. But, like, look at the art in Vampire Survivors and play the game. You, you see, like, sprites that come out of Castlevania stuff. But, again, I'm, I'm only saying that. I liked Vampire Survivors. It was one of my favorite games that came out that year. Like, go back and listen. I, I loved it. But it is, I'm just saying, this is an interesting question that the industry is going to have to face sooner rather than later. And I am surprised that Nintendo is not because they're sure leading a charge against this emulator where the case is kind of rocky here, right? But they're not going after Pal World still. I'm a little bit surprised. That's all. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just fucking surprised. Yeah, the address SSJ 100 map Pal World is fizzled in terms of player uh, concurrency. Um, Honestly, though, the devs are totally cool with that. Care about petty? Well, no, they. they... Do we think Nintendo actually cares about being petty or not? I mean, Nintendo is good to be petty. They're being petty right here with the whole emulator thing, Um, but. I think they're the devs are are completely fine with people not because Pal World it, it's just it's not a live service game or anything like that. It is has a start and an end, and then you're done. You play through the content, cool. They'll add more content later on as you know things develop on it because it's still I think early access or whatever. So I, I, I think they're totally fine. In fact, they've made comments to the fact that they're completely fine with the numbers going down. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's very simple why the number of concurrent players has dropped significantly. It's a very simple answer. Everybody bought the game because gaming media told them it was Pokemon in HD, and then they downloaded it and played it. Oh, yeah, sorry, Pokemon with guns. I forgot this. Everybody bought it because they thought it was Pokemon with guns. Well, now they all went and played it and saw, this is nothing to do with Pokemon. This isn't fucking Pokemon, and they stopped playing. That, that's it. Like, I, think, I think the answer is a lot more simple. I don't think it's necessarily that they stopped playing because they didn't like it. They stopped playing because they're done with it. They played through the game. Or there's there's enough people. I mean, it's not like nobody's playing it. It's just, it's stabilized right. a bit. But I think there was a lot of people that bought into the Pokemon with gun shit. 
that just didn't stay for the long ride. That's it. That's it. Right. Like not everybody just plays one game all the time. There are people that do play multiple games and sometimes you just finish the game and you go on to something else. Yeah. All right. Um, Zen Monkey says, what's the name of that Splatoon clone? I think you're thinking about Foam Stars, but rem- remember, and again, I again, I don't think you can say, th- I don't think Nintendo has anything to say in the Foam Stars argument. There's nothing there. If you want to talk negative about Foam Stars, look at the AI shit, okay? But like Foam Stars is you're, instead of putting ink on the ground, the foam builds up and that becomes a very important component is that the, that the foam, it changes some of the physics and does different things with it. Because I, I did play the early access uh, and uh, know enough from that that it's it's different enough from Splatoon. Plus it also more takes the Overwatch approach where you don't have a homogenous uh, player. You have different players that have different super moves and different things that they do. So there's there's several twists they put on it. So that's, that's why I would say that foam stars is kind of a different conversation. So in my opinion, all right. Uh, DJ Rama S in chat says I played Pal world. I deleted it after 20 minutes. I realized that I don't like survival like games. You have succinctly made my point. Let's move on. Let's talk about this story. Rockstar Loki. Uh, like I, I completely feel this. So p- apparently, uh, Rockstar Games is ordering their employees back into the office, um, after being remote for a very long time, uh, to help with finishing up, I guess, Grand Theft Auto Six. So the company is mandating uh, apparently that they return to the office for five days a week starting in April, and um. You know, the, they said they made the return to office decision um, on February 28th. It, an email went out to staff uh, telling them about all that stuff. And they said that Rockstar Games has found tangible benefits from bodies being in office seats. Hate that. I swear to God, if my company ever says, oh, we're going in the office, which we can't because we've already sold off buildings. But if, they ever, if I ever get a whiff that they're going to do that, I'm, I'm out. Um, but anyways... What sucks, though, is a lot of employees, one, um, they've enjoyed the work-life balance that they have with remote work, and two, some don't necessarily live near those offices. And honestly, being that they're at the end of the development cycle for um, the game, um, what companies have done recently, not necessarily this company, but other companies have done, is they've mandated return to office things because they know people will quit because they don't want to go back to the office and then that we don't have to pay severances mm. so that may also be what this is considering we, we just had seven thousand really layouts. good theory actually because that's how rockstar keeps their name out of the news with the whole layoff thing well they're already in the news because people don't like this mandatory return to office and it's ridiculous mm-hmm. um you know and also considering that they probably um also you know make them crunch for this stuff as well so they said you know speaking um anonymously many of the employees have um reiterated that you know working from home has been a lifeline to many of us um, that they need to rethink their reckless decision about making, uh, making and engage with their staff Um, that also they fear that they'll have to work late hours in the office, which would mean they would miss out on spending time with their families. So. 
Yep. I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's going to be issues like this that are going to push the game industry more and more to unionize too i think this is gonna well be they do have a union that. so that's the thing oh, really? so the I, I, iwg uh yes so ah. uh, workers in the iwgb game oh. workers union at rockstar are pushing for transparency over pay and promotions a health a healthy and inclusive workplace culture work-life balance centered around uh what each worker needs and they said it's unacceptable for Rockstar leadership to have gone back on their word time and time and time again mm-hmm. and have ignored workers' requests for basic working conditions. Workers across the industry are done with letting executives make reckless and harmful decisions about Rockstar workers and are showing us um, the start of what can come if they're continually ignored. Um, there is no better time than now to join the union. And yeah, else. fuck the man. <laughs> uh, Honestly, I'm all for unions. You know... Grand Theft Auto 6, that trailer that came out not that long ago, looks really good. And if a good chunk of that was made at home, I'm, I mean, I'm sure that game has been in for years and years, including prior to COVID, but the game looks great and doesn't seem to have been affected negatively by the work from home. So I'm very, you know, but the whole work from home thing, I think is going to be, I don't know, it's. I want to sit here and say it's going to be something where employees will choose and the, you know, employees will, that'll be a selling feature basically for a company and that, uh, you know, people with a lot of talent will tend to gravitate towards those organizations. But I say that yet in the face of all these layoffs happening, I'm not so sure it's that simple, unfortunately. So maybe, and I, I would hate to think Rockstar is making an opportunity of that situation to do this. But if it does, if it sure doesn't look that way, interesting. Anyhow, we'll see what comes of it. Uh, moving on, let's talk about an interesting uh, and surprising delisting of a game that happened recently, and that was Octopath Traveler was delisted on the eShop. Disappeared. What happened? I actually think it's pretty simple because when I first heard about this, I was like, well, wait a minute. Didn't a company recently buy, like in the last week, the company that made Octopath Traveler? And yes, that's likely why the game was delisted and it'll come back shortly. But here's the the issue. I was going to say problem, but it's not really a problem. Um, Acquire was purchased by From Software, right? So because we were like, well, are they going to make like a dark souls version of octopath i i don't think that's happening but uh because of that purchase you have nintendo in the credits of the screen right now being the publisher of the game i think they probably pulled it down to make a small little change to the loading screen of that game where from software is now going to show on future copies of the game uh it's not as simple of a patch because nintendo published the games that you bought prior to 2024 and their logo should still be there but anything you buy after 2024 in this thing will have the new publisher's logo on it i really think this is just one of those weird weird things that causes the sensational headline of game is delisted from store and that's just because they did a poor job communicating it and letting us know how long it was going to be down but this is obviously just a side effect of the the transaction that just happened and it'll be back so meanwhile Physical <laughs> copies of the game don't change. They still work. Digital copies that you already bought work, to be fair. This only affects new sales of the game. That's all. But how many people yeah. are still buying Octopath Traveler Part 1 when 2 is already out there and 
even two is a, a year or two old at this point. So, but you know, for game preservation well, purposes, the original should always it. be available. I think you can also get it on. I want to say PC, but I'm not sure if it's more accurate to say Steam. I don't know if it's multi-platform on the PC universe or not. So, all right, um, moving on, Dark Sakura. Sorry, I have Gude on. <laughs> Lucky. Well, one thing about video games that we love is the music. And some of the games that, that really just have the best music ever are the Final Fantasy games and some of those like that. Um, and, of course, we can't have that music without uh, the legend um, Uematsu Nobuo, um, who is just an amazing, amazing uh, uh, music creator, uh, composer, very talented person. Um, but he's now saying that um, he don't think he'll be able to do full video game soundtracks. Um, he says that that um, he felt that like if nostalgia would take over, um, he might do it. Um, but he is more, uh, I mean, actually he says he doesn't really see it happening, but he's more inclined to do something like a main theme or some of the overlying theme music for a game. Um, and, uh, he's, he said that, you know, it's something that you have to give all of your energy to and he just doesn't have the, the fortitude anymore. Um, but he's like, and he, he did, um, the, the last game he did a full soundtrack for, um, was, uh, uh, Fantasian, the game that I've been playing for a while, mm -hmm. um, which is freaking great and it was also uh created by uh sakaguchi um but uh who had even said in 2021 that he felt like it could be um uematsu's last soundtrack so a little bit prophetic there um but i mean and that soundtrack was like a 60 piece orchestra soundtrack mm -hmm. um for the record, by the way, um, as a little aside, uh, there is a Steam database entry for Fantasian, so folks on Steam might be able to get to play it. Mm. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, it's a great game. Um, but at any rate, um, yeah, uh, he's going to still be doing some of his conducting gigs. There's a new conducting gig uh, coming up with um, the uh, uh, Marignan Heart of Ice. Um, but that might just be, that just might be it. He's just planning on doing the stuff that his heart is in and doing some main themes and that's it. And you know what? The man's turning 65 this week. Let him retire. That's, he's earned it. He's more than earned he's, it. Yeah, for real. So. And, and for, for the record, um, I was going to say, uh, going back to Fantasian real quick, mm -hmm. um, the, it was a scene on Steam DB as listed on there, um, but it was done by Studio Mistwalker. Um, and and on the you know Uimatsu and you know the his his legacy or what have you, you know what Final Fantasy will be fine. Soken is doing amazing work with fourteen. <laughs> I, Sixteen was was fine, um, but you know fourteen is especially is great. I think I don't know who did. Maybe somebody could tell me in chat. Uh, especially the recent 
seven rebirth i don't know if it was the same composer that did remake but i would say the which uh, again was all based on uematsu themes but there's some original pieces in that too um whoever arranged final fantasy 7 remake did a very good job as well quite honestly so uematsu's legacy is in good hands square enix will be fine all right uh yeah Questbuster in chat says Uematsu deserves a rest. He's done so much and has made a huge multi-generational mark for so many. Yes. Uh, SJ100 Matt says he said that it takes two to three years of nonstop work to make a soundtrack. He's tired and deserves the rest and uh, consult when he wants to. I know he had health stuff. So if anyone deserves time, it's him. Yes. Very much that. I always think back to the memes of the creator of Smash Brothers where it says, never ask me for anything ever again. (laughs) I'm just tired. I want to sleep. <laughs> Sakurai. I get that. Those those memes of Sakurai. Never ask me for anything ever again. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, let's go to Loki. Let's talk about more canceled things. So uh, I completely forgot that Respawn was working on a Star Wars game at EA, but apparently uh, they were until now they're not. Because uh, apparently Respawn or IGN reported that Respawn's in development, Star Wars FPS game has been canceled. Um, so that's unfortunate. But, you know, I think a lot of this comes from the layoffs, um, the cutting projects and whatnot. It would have been cool to see, but we're just never going to see it. Unless artwork from the game leaks out on people's resumes. Well, and I wonder if this is one of those things where, again... Perhaps the game was designed to be one of these games as a service. It being an EA game and a Star Wars, I'm sure it was it was planning to take dollars out of your wallet consistently and without shame. And I uh, wonder maybe. if somebody said, you know what? It's we're gonna have a battlefront two on our hands type of situation. Now, granted, they could change Appar- a lot of that before release. So maybe, you know, there's gotta be something a little more with how the game was playing or coming along or something. And well, I, they, I don't want to yeah. make light of the layoff situation either, but it's just the, the thing is just interesting. It's all interesting. They said part of it was because EA's decision to pivot away from licensed IP. Hmm. Which they don't feel will be successful in the changing industry. Um I I I don't agree with that, but I mean, uh, sure, you can make an uninformed guess at that. I mean, I don't know. Spider Man seems to be doing pretty well. And that's licensed IP. I mean, yes, it's technically owned IP, but it's kind of licensed. You know, it's. I wonder if it's a little more complicated than that, and that's a dig at how much they're paying for Star Wars, and they want to renegotiate said rate. Don't give EA anything. <laughs> Don't just don't give them anything. No. They're not the EA that they used to be. They're the EA of now, and they suck. So just don't don't give them anything. Back in my Who day, should have the back IP? in my day. It was ECA. <laughs> Moving on. Let's talk about something else that could be the future of gaming. It's something that Microsoft has been talking about in a partnership with NVIDIA, AMD, and Intel when in regards to upscaling support in upcoming PC games. This is a new Windows API that is going to integrate super resolution AI upscaling uh, for uh, NVIDIA, AMD, and Intel. And before we all run away screaming when we hear AI, which I understand... Uh, I know what this is. There's a lot of things where we do want to do that. I, I don't know. I get the sense 
that this is where we would rather see AI sort of used is these sorts of situations, not where it's creating the art, but able to adapt and upscale the art based on being trained on said art, you know, so that AI is just, you know, uh, essentially, you know, what it is, the automation of processes happening uh, very quickly, uh, very, very quickly in regards to rendering graphics and, you know, delivering uh, through this direct SR API. Uh, I use software that already has the ability to do that. Um, Pixelmator. It has the ability when you uh, resize something uh, in- invoking super resolution, mm-hmm. which is literally what it's called. Yeah. To, uh, especially in the case of down of uh uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Of uh, reducing size mm-hmm. instead of getting some of the the fuzzy, uh, kind of weird scaling, it cleans it up. Um, but it also does the same thing for uh, enlarging. Although I haven't tried a massive relarge in it, but yeah, it's been there. The ability's been there. I've been using it for at least a year. Well, the super resolution feature was spotted in a test version of Windows 11, which uh, is uh, supposed to be using AI to make supported games play more smoothly with enhanced details. So this API is going to, you know, play into this. Uh, Anyway, this is going to be available soon via a preview of the Agility SDK. And there will be a sneak peek of all of this at GDC, which, remember, is just around the corner. This particular session at GDC is going to be March 21st. Microsoft, NVIDIA, AMD all participating. Uh, This is definitely one to watch, I think, uh, because I think this is very much how we're talking about how video games are going to get to 8K. And, you know, even even more frames a second and all this stuff, you know, even more and more lifelike uh, one step closer to the holodeck, if we will. Uh, this will be an interesting one to watch for sure. All right. Well, we're going to go to our next segment, which has a twist this year, because every month Dark Sakura talks about a game that didn't see the light of day. It's the canceled game of the month. But before we get there, let's play the bump. Now it's time to travel back to a simpler time, where I'll dive into the vault and pull out a classic and tell you about it. It's time for the classic game of the week. All right, but as mentioned, it is a canceled classic game. So, Dark Soccer, what is the classic canceled game of the month? Um, it is Robotech Crystal Dreams. And hi, Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Um. It, anyway. Um is a canceled Robotech game that was uh, in development for the Nintendo 64 by GameTech. And I am calling it Robotech because it started its life as a Robotech game, not as a Macross game. But we'll get into that in a second. So basically, the overall plot of this is that you play as someone named Kyle Bartley, who uh, was uh, a Veritech pilot who had been disgraced to his former Robotech Defense Force. And he turned into a mercenary, but then he, I guess, worked to try to still protect, protect the Earth and the SDF-3, the Super Defense Fortress, I think that's what they called it. I didn't watch a lot of real Robotech. I've mostly watched Macross um, from uh, Zentradi enemies, who were giant kind of blue-purple people sometimes. Anyway, um, 
So let's go a little bit into the uh, the gameplay of this, and then we're going to go into the development history. So uh, Crystal Dreams was a space fighter simulation, um, had some resource management uh, to it. Um, you basically, your character Kyle uh, works as a mercenary, like I said, and could obtain credits based on the type of missions that were completed. And between uh, levels, you go back to your base um, and you can interact with different characters, buy upgrades, modify your mecha. Um, you also had uh, like a war timeline where you could get reports of what was happening at different places in space. You could go help people who need it and get any more credits for it. And then, of course, you have your your three modes for your, they called them Veritex or yeah, anyway. Um, you had your fighter mode, your guardian mode, and battleoid mode. Um, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, going into a little bit of... Uh, for the record, by the way, the Veritex were called Valkyries. Um, in Macross. So, um, and those three different modes... Uh, there was uh, a fighter mode, and then you had gerwalk mode, which I thought was funny. For it, it was so funny because we were actually uh, looking at uh, what am I thinking of? Jetfire <laughs> toys, and the first Jetfire toy was actually a repurposed uh, Macross Valkyrie. So thought that was funny, um, but yeah, and then uh, the uh, but there was also like the the humanish kind of mode so there we go anyway going back to the game oh sorry i love i love my cross going back to the game um the license was uh, purchased from activision by game tech and so they pitched a game to nintendo and nintendo approved it it had a 10 person team to work on it it was announced in may 1995 as a launch game uh, with the title uh, Robotech Academy, and then by 1996, middle of the year, it changed to Robotech Crystal Dreams. Um, Nintendo gave support uh, to Game Tech and to learn the hardware, and the art director, Mimi Doggett, uh, I'll read this quote, uh, they know we're just getting used to this new hardware, so they've been patiently supportive. They're not pushing us to get the game out, they'd rather we take our time to make sure that it's good. Hallelujah. However, um, it was planned for December 1996 release and then rescheduled to second quarter 97 and then further delayed to December 97. After that, though, Game Tech filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in early December 97 after the game had been in development for two years. Um, and they were saying that the development of the game was not going to affect the bankruptcy, but by 1997, Ocean acquired the rights to the game, and they were going to finish and release it, but they canceled after a working demo was shown at the 1998 E3. Um, Antarctic Press uh, had a, a black and white promotional comic book that was handed out at E3, very much collector's item now, and then Game Tech was liquidated in 1998. Um, I need, I, I was looking for the one thing I found where one of the, uh, programmers had a lot of a prototype of the game or, uh, had, had a working prototype of the game that you had to do a level skip. I couldn't find it. Um, 
so so yeah it was really sad a lot of people were looking forward to it including um uh tomi of japan uh we're we're familiar with tomi as like a a toy and and development company Mm. Um, they were localizing that into a game called Super Dimension Fortress Macross Another Dimension, or Chojiku uh, Yosai Makurosu Anaza Dimension, Another Dimension, so mostly English. Um, but at any rate, uh, the, the thing that they were about this is that it was a chance to have the only Macross game released on Japanese Nintendo 64. Um most of the the mecha that we're using crystal dreams came right from original macross not from like most beta or any of the others that were used to continue um macross uh for the animation um and uh they were pretty all about it however when game tech never completed the game and closed down that of course stuck a, a wrench in plans um Tomy still wanted to continue with taking it over, um, and they had advertised it in Japanese magazines, but Bandai did not release the rights to them to distribute it, and so that mm. fizzled in Japan as well. Mm. And so that's that's it. That's the story of, uh, you know, Robotech. Interesting. And I think it could have been great you know, I mean, just these preliminary, and this is early Nintendo 64, I should remind folks. Uh, it's a lost opportunity, you know. And and I'm sad that this happened, but alas. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to be honest, I didn't really know anything about this project, um, which is, you know, part of the reason I think you're doing this uh, canceled game segment this year is to kind of bring awareness to some interesting ideas that didn't take off. Um, but this, mm-hmm. yeah, for Nintendo 64 era, this looks great. This really does. This is like a PC game of the era, to be honest. Um, and as far really as I'm aware, the music would be like, you know, of course, Nintendo style digitized versions of the uh, original music uh, from the Macross series. Mm-hmm. You know, which if I recall correctly, now keep in mind, I have not watched a lot of Robotech. I've watched a lot of Macross, right. but I think didn't Robotech use a lot of the music that was in Macross? Probably. I know Probably that some, I know that some uh, localized anime did that a bit, like going back and watching G Force. Mm. It has a lot of that same repeated terrible intro music for the U.S. one, but during fight scenes, it totally plays the Gachamon music. <laughs> um. And Dan and I were even watching last night. Who remembers a show called Saber Rider and the Star Sheriffs? Not me. It was under a different name in Japan, of course. It was like something Bismarck. I have to look it up again. Um, and uh, thank you, Ranma. Thank you. Um, but we noticed that like some of the music from the Japanese version was reused in the American one in different spots. And for the record, the the theme song for that in Japanese is total 80s and it's a vibe. Uh, you know, you triggered Fifth Dream's memories there. Fifth Dream in chat saying, me, I love that show. Saber Rider, the song is in my, I, I have no idea how it goes. So I can join. Saber Rider. There we go. Okay. And the Star <laughs> Sheriff's whip crack. <laughs> <laughs> it also had um, uh, Peter Cullen in like one oh. role as 
Ramrod, and that was it. <laughs> Fun. All yeah. right. Your classic canceled game of the month. Uh, our regular segment will resume next week, but this is always a fun. Wait, we need play. a moment of silence. Pour one out. <laughs> okay, done. This is all right. Uh, let's get into some other news rapidly in a segment we call Rapid Fire News. Some other quick headlines. Loki. We have another game that's part of NVIDIA's RTX Remix toolkit, which I think recently allowed um, you know, ray tracing in wake and portal um now we have the original unreal is getting an rtx remix that allows you to have um big lots of shiny lights i mean that's a kind of what it looks like here is just lots of reflective surfaces but it's cool and i think it's free so go check it out and then of course um in our ever or never-ending quest to put Doom on all the things. Now Doom plays on a robo lawnmower. What? <laughs> yes, you can play Doom on. I, I I'm gonna try to pronounce this. It is clearly a foreign name. A uh, Husqvarna lawnmower. It's a two thousand uh, dollar lawnmower. A tech and construction brand. It looks it looks very futuristic as it is. I don't know how you play. I guess it has a screen on it. I don't know how you would do that. Uh, it says, but will yeah. the will the lawnmower motor play the Doom thing? Can it can it actually rev to the theme? No. Yeah, the blade starts spinning when you <laughs> use the chainsaw. Yeah, that'd be scary. Um. Yeah. It so. Uh, I don't know. It, it's neat that you can do that. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah coming in April. He'll allow you to do that. Uh, Dark Sakura, what do you have? The best news ever. <laughs> oh, boy. And the most expensive news for me in my house. <laughs> um, so Multimorphic is a pinball company that does their P3 table. And P- P3 is a modular pinball. So you can change out one unit for another. I have Weird Al. Yeah, the, the Weird Al machine. Um, I, I, I remember this from Southern Fried Game Expo, yeah. Which has like a video a video part of the table and then, you know, an upper field and it, it plays all kinds of fun stuff. So Multimorphic has announced their next game for P3. And it's the Princess Bride, damn it. Inconceivable. <laughs> And I, I am like, oh, I'm so jazzed. Like, um, you know, for a movie that came out in 1997, this is my favorite movie on freaking record. My favorite movie. Um, I, I love it more that. than Xanadu. I right. love it more than Barbarella. But it has all kinds of stuff from the Kingdom of Florin. It has the Cliffs of Insanity and the ball climbs the cliff. You have Miracle Max's hut, the fire swamp with the rodents of unusual size, and Prince Humperdinck's castle. Humperdinck, 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 Humperdinck. Anyway, um, and it's, uh, uh, but um, but they uh, basically uh, the head of Multimorphic, uh, Jerry Stellenberg, was like, the pinball market's saturated. We know they're all expensive. 
but we're putting out the notice now. So if you're really a diehard fan, you get a chance to save for it or whatever you need to do to help you get it. And they wanted people to get excited about it. Um, and also, uh, the creative director for this is the same uh, person who worked on Weird Al and uh, Heist at Steven Silver. And uh, there's also Josh Kugler, formerly from American Pinball, who is their uh, software team lead. So they got a pretty good group on it. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's got the film's music, which did you know that it was written by Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits? Oh, no. Yeah, and so it had been adapted by Paul Ferrer the, uh, uh, to uh, fit the gameplay and has a few extra tracks that were created just for the game. And um, yeah, <laughs> it looks gorgeous. SS- uh, I love SSG 100, Matt. Never get a tilt against the Sicilian when death is on the line. I was just about to read that too. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I was gonna Stardust s- is also a good movie. I would play that as a pinball too. I was uh, going to say, you're, now you just have to convince Dan to get this as a table. You think it'll work? It'll take a miracle. <laughs> Bye! So I have, to tell, I, have, I have to tell you something from, uh, and it's in the book, uh, as, you, as You Wish, mm-hmm. which was by Carrie Elways, and it says memoirs of doing the movie. Mm-hmm. about you know a sword fighting with a broken toe thanks to andre the giant <laughs> but they said that the whole scene with miracle max was ad-libbed completely oh, with wow. billy crystal oh wow and that he was laughing so hard while he was supposed to be dead that they had to change him out for a model that's funny. for a dummy and, and that also, uh, Mandy Potemkin broke a rib holding in his laughter. I just, I just want to quickly acknowledge as well in that scene, Carol Kane, who I fucking love. And I love her. Speaking of like uh, uh, actors and actresses on my Star Trek cruise bucket list, we're like, God, I hope they come to the cruise someday. Although she's way too like Whoopi Goldberg's on that list, and you know she's too, she's way too a list ever. I feel like Carol Kane. She doesn't she doesn't need the money. She's she's got a lot of work. God, I love her. Um, yeah, the two of them like made the entire scene just how well they played off of each other. Yeah. Although, I mean, my favorite thing in there was her going humperdink, humperdink, humperdink. <laughs> but right. that that movie is great. All right. Well, moving on, uh, let's talk about the Sega reboots that have been rumored for some time. Uh, You know, uh, some of the rumors and and things, leaks, I guess, if you will, are really gaining fire. I feel like we'd heard some of this before, that we heard that uh, Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio are supposed to be coming as games as a service. Oh, boy. So these remakes might not, or reboots, I should say, might not be exactly what you think of. But uh, apparently a well-known Atlas leaker who had announced the Persona game remakes and so forth has gone to Twitter to talk a little bit about these games and that there are not only the games as a service reboots, but there are also remakes that will be made as well. So that's kind of refreshing, too, is that if like, you know, if you're like, God, I can't stand these games as a service thing, it's not my style at least you could get the originals. And God, I hope Crazy Taxi still has that deal with the offspring uh, because that song just really makes the game. So anyway, uh, in a series of tweets, the leaker MBKKSSTBHZ5 says, yes, it's modeled after AAA live service games like Fortnite. There's plans for live events, collaborations, and customizations. The current plan is to create a live service games service reboot as well as a remake of Crazy Taxi. There is a survival mode with up to yeah, 100 yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
racing in the reboot. Fortnite and GTA Online are some of the main inspiration for the current Sega Super Game Plan. Sega wants to be competitive in the live service scene and use classic IPs in new ways with new technology. Both Crazy Taxi and Jet Set are live service games that are also having remakes before the reboot's release. Jet Set is closer in gameplay to Fortnite than Crazy Taxi, and there are shooting elements planned. Jet Set Reboot has graffiti and shooting gameplay, an open-world concept with exploration as focus. There are new characters and story, too. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they're doing the remakes as well. I think that's very smart, because if the gas, games as a servants, service, if the gas tank is empty, so to speak... They have the remakes to fall back on because I think a lot of people would buy the remakes of both those games. Where's my Hydra Thunder? They did. I don't know if it was a full, but there was that Xbox. No, they called it something new. It was like a spiritual successor. Yeah. Yeah. I I need, I need. Damn the torpedoes. (laughs) All right. Let's uh, travel around the world and check out uh, what's coming out in a game store online near you uh a little faster than the sega remakes uh let's start with the u.s what is coming out this week loki uh we have expeditions a mud runner game on pc nintendo switch playstation 4 playstation 5 xbox one and xbox series uh Mediterranean uh inferno on pc nintendo switch playstation 4 playstation 5 and xbox series uh coming out of early access but the outlast trials on PC, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series. Berserk Boy on PC and Nintendo Switch. As Dusk Falls on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Uh, Top Racer Collection on PC, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series. Uh, Ancient Weapon Holly on PC, Nintendo Switch, and PlayStation 5. Unicorn Overlord on Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and Xbox Series. Sounds like some people I know. Unicorn Overlord? Mm-hmm. I just, I, this, that same game is on my Japanese list, and I just have to say, I, I think it's false advertising. This is an AI Willy Wonka situation, because I do not see any fucking unicorns in Unicorn Overlord. Do you see a unicorn here? No, I see a, I see a furry, but I don't see a Unicorn Overlord, but... It, it's just a game. It just looks like fucking about tops. It's it's just it looks like it's just fucking sweet coden, but with a full cooking simulator. Because of course, of course, the Japanese has to have realistic cooking mini games in it. Because of course. Uh huh. I'm doing a question. Are there unicorns in Unicorn Overlord? Well, it says Lord. you know that. that... Um... The person, one of the, the the main characters in the game is now an adult and bearing the magical ring of the unicorn. Oh. So there is something unicorn so tangentially related, or related to it. Needs so. more unicorns. Anywho, also it's, very tangentially. Yeah. Seven out of ten, related. not enough unicorns. <laughs> tangentially related to Unicorn yeah. o- Overlord. If you cannot create your own unicorn overlord in that game perhaps in the custom character creator for wwe 2k24 you can create your own wrestler named the unicorn overlord on pc playstation 4 playstation 5 xbox one and xbox series that's it i love ssj 100 matt for making a last unicorn uh reference (laughs) just a bunch of anime schmedrick the magicians perfect 
also appearing in the unicorn overlord candy mountain <laughs> all right anyway candy mountain charlie <laughs> it's a magical leo pluridon <laughs> i just watched that the other day by the way again and why did did you watch uh, I don't know Home Home Star Runner as well and uh, the the rejected no, cartoon but I was gonna, by Don Hertzfeld like, like I did watch the rejected cartoon for the record <laughs> I actually was introduced somebody to it. <laughs> All right, let's go. My to Japan. spoon is too big. I am a banana. I'm a banana. <laughs> <laughs> Movie, but if you've never seen the rejected cartoon, do yourself a favor. Pause this Dan show. Hertzfeld. Don't stop, Don Hertzfeld. Pause Don, this show. It. Don't stop, but pause it. Go watch that cartoon and then send us an email. Participate at orangelaundry.com with your thoughts. And I want you to know, I saw that on the big screen years ago, probably high. And I say probably because I, I wasn't doing weed, but everybody around me was and there's only so much of you that the around you, you can take yeah spike and mike yeah it was the spike and mike oh god they don't do those Twisted animation high. festival oh that was it. it was the spike and mike sick and I, was it twisted i watched it when we were at the first olr house i yeah i definitely remember that anyway. no not there it was this yeah it was the first olr house when yeah. y- your roommate was um it was guy hilarious I can remember. the guy i went to high school with yeah it's it's yeah. so good. It's just it was a hilarious yes. rejected hilarious cartoon. Cartoon Don Hertzfeld will change your life. All right, and that's where the line "I am a consumer whore" comes from. And how? Uh, and how can I get to the Japanese release date? Speaking speaking of being a consumer, I whore. guess. All right, coming out on March the seventh, Irem Collection Volume One is coming out. Yay! This is, uh, it's our type. Yeah, it's uh. Well, I don't think our type is in this collection. Uh, mm. We have Image Fight. Uh, Image, oh, Image Fight's good. Image Fight 2, Operation Deep Striker, and X Multiply are all in this particular set. But that's, that's still those fun. Those are some good games. Yeah. I like Image Fight. Yeah, and these games have not been released in the West before, so uh, that's pretty fun. Uh, Image Fight was. Let to do. What else do we have in Japan? Unicorn Overlord, uh, which we've already talked about, is out on the 8th. Those are both on the Switch, and those are really the only big releases on the Switch this week. But if we go over to the PlayStation 5, we have Teardown is coming out on the PlayStation 5 this week. That same IRM collection also out on the PlayStation 5. And Eternites is coming out in a regular and a deluxe edition. Also, Unicorn Overlord. Let's travel to Europe. Dark Sakura. Um, for on the 5th, that's uh, what the next few are. Uh, for PlayStation and Xbox, WWE 2K24. Uh, uh, classified France 44. Looks like it's a World War II era game. Um, for PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch, Expedition's a Mud Runner game. On the 7th, for PlayStation, we have uh, Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1. And for PlayStation and Xbox, uh, Taxi Life, a Driving Simulator. And then on the 8th, uh, the rest of these are all on the 8th. PlayStation and Xbox, we have Resident Evil 4 Gold Edition, WWE 2K24. On Switch, we have Paw Patrol Grand Prix Complete Edition for PlayStation and Switch, Emergency Call, The Attack Squad. Um, On the Big 3, Unicorn Overlord. And speaking of canceled games from before, and this is a game that actually got a release after it was unreleased, 
1982. Aka R Special Edition is going to be on PlayStation. All right. Well, we have a few yeah. more stories for you. And then we'll get to the listener roundtable if y'all have any questions. I have no idea if we have emails. Um, but we'll... No. No. All right. Well, that makes that easy. Uh, maybe we'll get some emails about rejected. We'll just get some emails that say, I am a banana. <laughs> uh, Loki. Totally uh, hats only. <laughs> yeah, we got uh, the first bit of news about a new game coming out from one of the creators of Call of Duty. Um, the founder, it's from... I guess it. We don't really know the name of the game yet, but I love the company name, uh, Bullet Farm, <laughs> uh, which is led by uh, David uh, Vonderhaar. Somebody who remind was... me to do that as the parody bump next week. Bullet Farming Simulator. Bullet Farm, yeah. <laughs> um, so they're working on a a cooperative. Uh, they said was it a first person shooter developed in the Unreal Five engine that's going to emphasize intimate cooperative gameplay set in an original universe. Really, that Int- is vague. Intimate co-op. I'm but sh- uh, yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's a lot to say about this story, but since it is about Call of Duty at its core, which is a series I really don't give a damn about, can I go on a tangent train? Can I take OLR on a tangent? Well, it's not about Call of Duty. It's about this new game. We've already been on six of them, Rob. We may as well add another, you know, add a caboose. But when you were talking about Bullet Farm, it made me think of, so I don't know if Jason's listening, but so there was was a little boo-boo behind the scenes, and these things happen. It's not a big deal. But Dark Sagra, when she was linking one of her things tonight, she actually used the link to uh, a video on Twitter. It has to do with the storms. It the was news. it was trucky. It's nothing salacious. It it's was just, a blizzard and trucky. But it's a snow plow plowing all the snow. So the Jason plow. sends me a text and it says, is the classic game of the week snow plow simulator? And that's when I realized that the tweet. <laughs> so and I started laughing and I was thinking, like, actually, I'd play the fuck out of a snow plow simulator, to be quite honest. Because you, probably you can't see one. anything and you run into everything. Farming simulator, uh, power wash simulator, uh, all of the, the tr- uh, American trucking and Euro truck simulator. They're all very zen games. Like you play those games to just no games, just <gasps> vibes. So I just had an idea for a game. A snowplow simulator. What? A truck, a, a trucker game, but it's in Japan and you have to do a, a dekotora. You, you know what those are, right? No. Snowplow simulator take... is a game. Are you for? Oh, wow. It's snowplowing simulator. But yes, it is a game. You can you can play it now. Oh, I'm sorry. You can play it later this year. It is coming out this year. It's not out yet. Wow. So. So the the dekotara are um uh they take like the live-in type of long haul trucks and they're like they got lights on them and fun paint and all kinds of decoration. They get people together and like have meetings. Uh you did Rama okay, send me the photos because I have a minor obsession with dekotara. Um but which is short for decorated truck. I mean, there you go. But Imagine if you had to like do a haul, but you had to make sure that like your truck was like hyper decorated and you get more decorations as you go until you have the fanciest truck to ever grace Yokohama or something. Live here on Twitch television, I'm playing the uh, preview for Snowplow Simulator 
It literally oh, looks boy. like someone just fucking copied Power Wash and made it snow plows, and I am here for that. <laughs> what's great is there, this is literally Power Wash Simulator with snow plows. <laughs> what's What's great about oh, this Bobby is that there there literally could be a scenario where someone has to go plow snow before they're allowed to sim to simulate plowing snow in on a computer game. You can't play your snow plowing game until you go plow the real thing. <laughs> anyway. Just like, oh my god! Well, I'd like to. Oh, make... I found there's a picture here of a guy who has a chandelier in his in his uh his truck. Anyway, I just want to thank Dark Sakura for her mistake because now I've learned that snow plowing simulator is the thing I need in my life. <laughs> there, there's no such thing as mistakes; only only happy little accidents. <laughs> thank you, Bob Ross. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, let's get to this. Could you imagine? I, I wonder. Oh. I wonder if, if like Optimus Prime turned into a Decotora, if that would be the Transformer version of drag. <laughs> All right, let's do this last story, which was what Jason had referenced in the intro tonight. It's a little uh, Loki. Take it away. I don't know what to say. <laughs> yes, apparently there was a study done in Norway examining how video games influence children and their social behavior and their spending habits. It apparently. Younger players are being bullied in t- over the lack of their cosmetic skins or using in-game items be- or are using in-game items to be more popular. Um, I, I, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so children- Dead by Daylight. Yeah, a little children- bit. Uh, children may experience being called poor if they haven't spent money on their character. Children who have spent money on their in-game character can gain increased attention and other advantages, thus buying popularity. That's what the game companies want. This is dumb as hell, but I also feel like there was a form of this when we were all in school, and it was... Yeah, it's like, why are you wearing the Walmart knockoffs when kids are cool? Yeah, or why do you still have an Atari 2600 when the Nintendo's out? You know, type of thing. It's, It's... It's that type of thing. I think it's just because it's free to play games. And yeah, like you said, Loki, it's this is what the companies want and so forth. Uh, I think that's why it's making headlines. And yeah, Dark Tetsuya is really right. Uh, They'll find any reason. Shoes with Velcro were cool, evil, for the record. Yeah, either of y'all, why would you wear shoes with Velcro? Because they're fucking comfortable. Do you know why are you wearing pumps? My favorite Aldos are the ones without laces. And I'm not apologizing. Oh, no, but it was cool when, and like in the, like, I'd say mid-ish 80s when I was in elementary school or or sorry late elementary school like going into middle school it was like the thing was laceless kids where you just sewed them close or you sat on the the heel of your kids and turned them into mules with no laces oh no I remember so right about the same time dark soccer when I was in junior high school I remember what the must-have thing was with shoes the pump shoes you remember the, the little pumping shoes mm-hmm. that made... I was in high school by then. Were you? I thought that was I think no, I was in late middle school. I was in middle school, but I think. That era, yeah. the early 90s, it was all about the pumps. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, no, the and the thing too is like if your parents screwed up and bought you the wrong kind of jeans, mm-hmm. then you had to to peg your jeans. My gosh. In the 80s. So silly. Uh, SGO 100 Matt says the missus is a school teacher and she's had kids fight over being made fun of for having basic Fortnite skins. Those kids are 10. So yeah, it's a thing. Silly, silly, silly. 
but, it happens in Dead by Daylight, though, where you make judgments on whoever's in your lobby based on if they've got default cosmetics or not. You know, it's like we either have someone who's trying to dupe someone, an actual noob, or someone who got banned from their account and they're going to play like an asshole. Uh, Pod culture in chat says early 90s. Hell, I was out of high school. Damn, I'm old. Yeah, you are. I didn't know you were older than me. <laughs> so I graduated what, in 94. What else am I supposed to reply to that pod culture? <laughs> but if it makes you feel better, I meet people that are like, like, especially through the horror hosting and stuff that I do on the side, I meet people that are like, yeah, I was born in 1998. And it's like after I graduated high school and I'm always like, oh, I'm going to pass away. All right. <laughs> anyway, yes, no, I'm Rama, class of 96. I'm I'm just like my my thing is like especially with what I do when I'm on the phone and I get people who are my age saying, "Well, you could probably be my kid and blah blah." I'm like, "I'm your age." What? <laughs> it's like I just have a young voice and spite keeps me young too. Bobby Black maybe says, I should be spiteful. Bobby Blackwell says my favorite is when kids uh, ask, "What was life like in the late 1900s?" I hate it here. Late 1900s. Anyway, uh, clearly we have deviated from the story, whatever it was we were talking about. Oh, yeah, kids bullying each other. And uh, moved into the listener roundtable. We're happy to answer your questions in our chat over at twitch.tv slash network. And, of course, we always accept your emails as well. Participate at orangelaundradio.com. I guess you can tweet us. And if I can be bothered to log into the app, uh, I might see it. But we have OLR. Uh, but, you know. Emails are really good right now. Participate at orangehauntsradio.com. I know, it's old school. That's what life was like in the early 1900s. You sent emails. All right, uh, or late 1900s, excuse me. I don't even know what I'm talking Postcards. about. Postcards. Yeah, uh, the Pony Express, yes. All right, um, you know what? Hmm. I'm going to say this. People are getting back into sending actual letters, and it's fucking beautiful. I've been actually writing people letters. Oh, yeah, evil's right. You pass notes, but you had to fold them a certain way or you failed the note passing. Aren't kids today like, using rotary phones, too? Speaking of, like, old stuff. Uh, like, models old. of them. Yeah. But, I mean, I kind of miss a rotary phone because you could, like, kill a person with one. Mm. Like, if someone broke into your house, you just grab the rotary phone and <laughs> smack them. All right. I'm serious. No, it's it's so true. If only, you know, Drew Barrymore had had that in the opening shots of Scream. Maybe that would have been a much different movie. <laughs> By the way, Snowplower like... Simulator has a free prelog or prologue. So, you know, Ooh. might be worth checking out. For free. I know what I'll be streaming this week. All right. And uh, Bobby's right. People asking for vinyl records. Um, there, I will say something there that when you have a brand new vinyl record, there is something to hearing it in analog versus digital that it's completely different. Uh, and I know that there's another boom for uh, transistor tubes, people looking for old hi fi's. Mishkins in chat says, I just I miss just slamming the receiver down when you get mad <laughs> for me. Yeah, you can I, hardly throw your phone across the room. I remember the portable phone, like the early portable phones, and it was a button called Flash would let you because that's how you like you switch to the call waiting. Does anyone remember call waiting? And Flash is how you switch. Okay. But it could also accidentally hang up on your friends accidentally. But if you didn't have call waiting, if you tapped that flash button to other people, it sounded like the sound when someone has a call waiting, like that kind of crackle. Because you could hear a crackle, but not the beep that the receiver got. Uh -huh. 
And you can just be, oh, excuse me, hit the mute button on your on your phone when you're on, and then just like listen to the other person completely lose their shit. Uh, SSG 100 Matt says, gotta have the long phone cord that stretches past the kitchen to the bathroom or your bedroom. Yes, and then you shut the door with the cord <laughs> hanging through. <laughs> or I remember our uh, first cordless phone had a gigantic fucking antenna on it. <laughs> so it was cordless. My, my phone, I had a Swatch phone that was like the kind of the clear one. Mm-hmm. And I had a cable that could go from my upstairs bedroom down the stairs into the living room. Those see if I wanted to. Those see-through phones are like the quintessential fucking '90s phone. <laughs> and a wall swatch. All right, hey, guess what? We have a caller uh, on uh, on our Discord, which you should join. Vaganetwork.com/slash/discord. Uh, if you want to join our Discord server and talk to us throughout the week. Uh, uh, there's actually quite a few stories tonight I pulled from our channel and Discord. So thank you to all the uh, participants who chat throughout the week. But we do have a call and somebody who wants to come on air with us tonight. So let's say hello. Hi, hello. you're on Orange Lounge Radio. Who's this? Oh, it's the one and only. Uh, <laughs> hi. That was a short call. <laughs> Rob, what'd you do? I didn't do shit. He moved his <laughs> Hi, it's the one and only, and instead of turning on his webcam, he fucking sent himself back to the green room. Brilliant. Did you mean to say the one and only, only fucking Houdini because you disappear? <laughs> he did it again. Stop it. Rama, stop it. Is it working now? Stop it. Is it is it working? We hear you. We hear you. We just don't All see right, you. There we go. There you good. are. There we go. All right. All right. See, I have a convention coming up, and I don't need this stress. Yeah. It looks like I'm going to have to pull Dai Tenchi down and do a clean format Perfect. before things kick off. Perfect. Pod Culture said Rama hit the flash button. <laughs> Wait, quick, quick. Rama, Rama, Rama. Before yes. you get to whatever it is you really want to talk about tonight, mm -hmm. what was the phone you had when you were in junior high? I had an AT&T rotary phone because my great-grandmother, Lord rest her soul, refused to get us touch the push-button phones because she didn't want to pay extra money for the phones. Because at that time, you couldn't buy phones in retail stores. You probably could, but... If you were with AT&T, you had to go to the AT&T store where they would show up the latest model desk phones for you to buy or pay monthly on as part of your phone bill. Some things never Sunshine. fucking change because they sure figured out how to keep that going, didn't they? We oh, had right? Bell South, <laughs> who AT&T acquired, but you could go to Radio Shack and buy a phone. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh -huh. all right. All right, back on topic. Rama, what did you call us about tonight? I want to, Rob, I want to thank you. You unlocked a core memory. Ooh, I love that. What? It, tell me more. I will say one thing, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is bleeding. <laughs> I, I think your noise gate is preventing all that com from coming through, but I believe the quote Sorry. was, my anus is bleeding. Yes, from the uh, Yes. Yes. The love of God and all that is holy. <laughs> My anus is bleeding. Jamie, you need that sound okay. effect on your board. The little Xbox achievement unlocked noise. <laughs> Core memory unlocked. Okay. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find that. <laughs> okay, Rob. So, so here's the thing. Back 
and I would say the late 90s, early 2000s, good God, I'm dating myself, mm -hmm. um, going to conventions, some cons would have what's called Anime Hell Night or Hell Anime or Even whatever. I know about this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. So for those who don't know, it starts around 10, 11 o'clock after the masquerade. By this time, you're probably stoned, liquored up or whatever. You go into main events and they would just play a bunch of really bad dubs, bad videos and all this stuff. And a part of this every year was rejected by, by Don Hirschfeld. And I loved it so much. And I remember years back, somebody found the YouTube link. And I was like, save. Yeah, he did a lot of other cartoons too. I don't know what he does now. Uh, one of his one of his cartoons was nominated for an Oscar. I think that was the last time I kind of oh, heard wow. from that guy. Yeah, it was one. It was later, but it was like something. Was it the meaning of life? I don't remember. I'd, I'd have to go look up his wiki or something like that, which one of the listeners in chat is probably doing now. There's always one person. But I'm I'm glad I could yeah. uh, unlock the uh, uh, core memory for you. Um. There so was every... at Anime Expo they would do AMV Hell. Oh, some conventions still do that, and yes, they still make AMV Hell. One of the things I would do in my room where people would come to hang out, I'd have the alcohol and the mixers ready, my laptop hooked up to the big to the widescreen, and I would just play AMV Hell, and we would just lose our minds over it because of how because how funny and how chaotic they were. In 2016, AMV World... Hill is what introduced me to the Hubba Hubba Zoot Zoot song. World of Hunda, Hunda, Anonun, Janine the Bugger. We were just talking yeah. about this on another chat a couple of weeks ago. Good just, God Almighty. Just quickly, 2016, World of Tomorrow was his film that was nominated for Best Short Film at the 88th Academy Awards, but he did not oh, nice. win. He lost to another uh, Bear Story, was the name of the film that won that year. But that's that's not I that long that ago. I remember that bear story thing. Yeah. Uh, wow. Also, that's they true. say his visual influence influenced the Pixar film Soul. For those that watched that during the, because uh, that came out during the pandemic, I think that was a Disney Plus thing. So that's, interesting. That's on that's on my list, and good God, my list is just big now. My list is delayed because I finally got my PlayStation Five, and Rebirth is just sitting there. Look, mine's still in the shrink wrap, mm. waiting to uh, open and play because already... I've been out of town. <laughs> I, so. I already cracked it open. There is only like, oh. one end of Evangelion for me, and it's redeath. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I'm excited hey. to play Rebirth. Hey, Shinji, guess what? This is a great makeout spot. <laughs> I'm excited to play Rebirth, but I feel like it's one of those things that more people will watch if I stream it if I don't do it right now. Like, if I wait for other people to beat it first and then stream it, people will be less nervous well, about spoilers. Because some people can't wait, and there are some places that like the break street date, the ending is already posted. But oh, I'm this sure. is the internet, and it's the modern time, I'm sure. so I am not surprised. I stumbled across it, watched eight seconds, and walked away. I'm like, still gonna play it i don't know what the fuck happened but it is what it is yeah, yeah. so we'll so, we'll wait and see uh i watched the golden saucer date night 
Well, one I'm, of them and I'm it made me happy i'm excited to play and see uh how, see what they did because i think can we finally i think now we can just finally fucking talk about final fantasy 7 remake and the twist because at this point with the second yeah. game out if you haven't played that first game still you're not spoiler sensitive about it and here's the thing and actually this should make you want to play it more i think everybody mm-hmm. at this point is it knows, dead? well final fantasy 7 no. remake isn't a remake it is not a remake it is a it's a no. actually i can't believe i'm gonna I can't believe I'm going to credit Bobby tw- twice. An alternate universe. I can't believe I'm going to credit Bobby twice tonight on this show, but I'm going to. I thought his comparison to saying it is like the newer Star Trek movies was very, very on point because it's like a story you know, but yet it's somehow very different. And I thought that was a very good comparison what he said on his show tonight. So I guess or, or I like him the new quarter. Scott Pilgrim series on Netflix. Yeah, that too. Very that. <laughs> So yes, that but, was so good. Oh my god! So, but but, but Jamie, was... not that different. Mm. Wink, <laughs> wink. Okay. It really isn't that different. The, the new Scott Pilgrim was good, but I kind of want like a ninety-minute movie to wrap up what they were planning at the end. Even though they said it ain't gonna happen, it would have been nice. Yeah, I'm but trying I will to say, I will say this about remake and then I'll get up on out of here because I was discussing this with a friend of mine and she makes a valid point. She said that the whispers that you see towards the end of the game represents the angry fandom as a whole. 100%. Alan walked in the room while I was playing that and said, are those whispers like the angry fans saying, no, everything has to be this way. And that's because there's a whole thing around the ending, which again, I'm sorry, but we're, we're now on the sequel. And if you haven't played, then you didn't care that much. So Mm -hmm. the, what they do at the end there, where the whispers reset a literal, somebody dies. That's not supposed to, when that happened, I fucking screamed by the way, I was like, what? I was, I I thought they would do something different. I didn't think they'd fucking do that. But then the whispers reset it all, that whole thing. And it was like, oh, oh, it's it's so on point. And I think Alan saw that scene. He was like, oh, were the whispers the angry fans saying, no, the game has to be exact. You can't fucking end the game at mid at uh, Midgar. You have to disc one should end where disc one ended in the game. It's like, it's so on point. It's so on point. And it's a then very... You find, and then you find out so another character ain't dead yet, so... Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's the very end. So mm-hmm. I would I would encourage you all to play it if you haven't, because even with what I just said, there's something to be said for it's about the journey, not the destination. Um, that there, there's a lot of gaps to fill in. Yeah, Bobby Blackwolf in chat says Final Fantasy VII Remake trilogy is about fate and destiny, and the characters in the game want to go against fate and destiny. Fate and Destiny in the remake series is the 1997 story. It is very, very that. And that's why that's why I'm really excited to play this because it's very clear now. If you think you know what's happening in this game, you don't. Because you didn't play the first game to to know that they 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 had, they done told you by the end of that game, we're gonna do whatever the fuck we want. I mean, I know the entire FF7 lore inside and out. When I jumped into remake, I was like, I cannot wait to see the changes that they made. Yeah. And I enjoyed every single bit. I am one of those, I don't care about spoilers because I will still watch it or play it regardless. This game is an exception to that. I'm like, I don't want to know nothing. I want to go in and I want to enjoy this. And if I end up screaming like a bitch because of some great shit that happened, so be it. All right. 
Well, I can't wait to jump in and play, if not this week, then next. But uh, Rama, for now, I'm going to let you go so we can wrap up here cool. pretty soon. But thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. One last thing. Yeah. Um, because of all the discussion that we were talking about before I jumped onto the call, can we rename the show to Gen X Lounge Radio? Because uh, it's kind of at that point right now. <laughs> no, no, Rama. It's Woke and Gay Radio. I don't know if you were here. What? Woke and Gay Radio. Were you here for that discussion? No, but here's the thing, Rob. You need to go back and listen to the start of the show. <laughs> I will listen on the podcast feed okay. on my way to work. Okay. But the thing is, that was the underlying from episode one. Y'all is woke and Rob is fabulous. And if you don't like that, <laughs> go take a walk and, and go do something and touch grass. That's right. Except touch grass wasn't a saying in 2002, but that's all right. All right. <laughs> Uh, and I don't think you came out on the show yet by that point. No. Rem- do you remember in the early episodes? I You came out on the show. I did. Later. I did. I didn't. But. I, I just wasn't out. We, There's kind of. Yeah. Anyway. Then again, there were some of us who knew and were still happy regardless. Well, I was out IRL. I yeah. just had a choice to not be out on the radio at first. But that's because some people and, on the internet are assholes. And Loki was staying in and even <laughs> saying about it. That's an all time. <laughs> all right. That's it. We're wrapping up. Too many memories. Done with y'all. I, I, I can't take y'all anywhere. Too many core memories. All right. Uh, anime Jam Session. Listen to it. And uh, maybe you'll hear about Anime Hell at uh, it, when, when Grandpa gets on his chair and tells stories. <laughs> maybe, but there is talk about a con that may have scammed some people that happened over the weekend. Oh, Tune in and find out more. Again? Well, don't worry. They'll give everybody 30 minutes in the ball pit. You got it. All right. Bye, Rama. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. Actually, let me check in with Loki real quick if there's any last-minute stories. I might have missed a headline, but I don't think I did. There I is not. I figured. All right. Well, that's fine because we're uh, we're coming up on two and a half hours. I think we're good to wrap up. Uh, I do want to, of course, thank everybody for listening tonight. Thank you for being back this week, even though we were gone last week very randomly. Let me tell you, I appreciate a vacation in spite of everything we talked about tonight. I had a great time. And I'm going again next year. So I hope y'all are ready for it. Um, and that's that's it. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We'll be back in seven days to talk about whatever happens this week. Enjoy your gaming this week. If you like what you heard here at Orange Lounge Radio, tell a friend or two about the show. Help us spread the word because we are the show where every gamer has a voice. But we need more voices to put out on air. So, um, yeah, tell a friend. Spread the uh, word. A uh, five-star review on a site like iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is you found this show goes an awful long way as well. Twitch links for Vogue Network. We love those too. All right. Uh, Dark Sakura streaming tonight. Uh, Debbie Delight. I am. It's, it's going to be a little bit short because I have work tomorrow. I'm actually starting training that I don't need. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's Killer Night on Debbie Delight. So it's going to happen. Please be there. Please stay. I could use some company. I've been a little down. Okay. So I'd appreciate it. But anyway, you don't have to. Just it would be appreciated. All right. But anyway. Well. Um, and what I would like to end with. Yes. Everybody little bit gay. <laughs> All right, have a good one, Darsakra. Bye. Bye. All right, we'll go over to you, Loki. What's your final thought tonight? Uh, my final thought is that I will be. Uh, well, I I was getting it ready. It's it's kind of already ready to go, but I still want to add a few more things to it. But I'll be dropping merch. Drop merch this week. I'm so excited to see what quotable things you have. Uh, uh, it's right now. It's all the robot master stuff from season two That's of channel 64, but, for you, make that um, money. 
Yeah, we'll we'll see about adding some other non things in there. I do need to do a pixel poop shirt. That'd be fun. There you go. Yeah, you should do a pixel poop shirt. All right, uh, you have all the sprites. I uh, mm-hmm. just get permission from Aaron and be the nice thing to do. But I I think he sure. I think he'd be okay with it. All right um that's gonna do it uh my final thought i don't know i have a lot of video games to catch up on and most of it is just playing uh things that have fucking seasonal content and stuff i need to catch up on like diablo 4 and no man's sky i needed to get that expedition done that's on my list as well and then i'll get to final fantasy 7 rebirth but that is gonna do it for orange laundry tonight thank you all so much for being here and staying up with us tonight and listening to us in the podcast feed and again joining us after a break we really appreciate it the road to a thousand episodes continues, if you can believe it. We're six weeks away at this point from one thousand episodes, and that is that is something no weekly gaming podcast has ever done. Uh, emphasis on weekly. I know there's at least at least one other show that is more than just weekly that has done it, but as far as a weekly show goes, we'll be the first, and that's really exciting. So thank you all for being here and being a part of it. Whether you go all the way back to episode one that DJ Rama S was quoting earlier, or others. Um, Really appreciate all of your support. If you just joined us at episode 993 last week or even tonight, uh, it means just as much to us as uh, all, all the rest of it. Thanks for being here and being a part of it. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to Orange Lounge Radio. Orange Lounge Radio is a production of OLR Studios. To join us for our live show, tune in to vognetwork.com Sunday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. The views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff of Orange Lounge Radio nor Vogue Network, but you know they were all still true.